Hello and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. There's all kinds of family. We chose this one. This is episode 224, Homefront from 2013. Yes. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Too. Are you looking for a new home? Is the front not that great? Call the Property Brothers to help you with your extreme fixer-upper on HGTV. Shout out to the Property Brothers. Well, shout out to the Property Brothers and welcome to a new a new type of intro. I've never heard you not do this episode's brought to you by you. Threw me for a loop. I here, wanted shout to out mix to the it Property up a Brothers. Bit, yeah, I've been in the same room as the Property Brothers at CES. Have you really? Yeah, Are they tall? They're... They look tall. I don't remember because uh. I was sitting in the. I don't know. I didn't get close to them. I, I would. I would. I would embellish it if I knew more. But we we've partnered with you know Discovery Networks and now or what? What I don't know what they used to be. Who knows? But the the company that own, runs their network, we would do events with in, in Las Vegas, and so they they were like the keynote whatever one year when my boss was also speaking. So it's cool. I've been adjacent to them, but you know my other boss is in love with them, so she's like they're so handsome. I'm like yeah, I get it, I get it. Yeah, anyway. Rachel's mom too is a big fan. So shout out to the property brothers. Also shout out to Jake Freer who picked this for his patron pick. Shout out to Jake for Homefront. Yes. But Joe, before we talk about Homefront, we got to do our first half of the show. I think before extracurricular activities, we have to address the big news, the elephant in the room. What? The elephant-sized news in the room. It's feeling a little Jason wet. Momoa, yeah. F10. I know. Which, once again, news comes out basically a day after we record, so this feels wildly <laughs> after the fact, yes. but there's literally nothing we can do about it. It always seems, I don't know, I, we always thought like Tuesday was Newsday, and we usually record Wednesdays, but all the news for Fast and the Furious comes out on Thursdays, or Wednesday yep. night at like 10 yep. p.m. It's weird, but it is what it is. So uh, I feel like in terms of big muscly men, we're running out of people, but Momoa was one that was left on the board. We gobbled them up. It's weird because I told you what we were, I was watching C. We watched him in oh, right. Dune. Yes, yes, yes. So like we were just talking about him. I'm surprised that I don't think we ever actually said nope. like he he should be in these movies, but it makes perfect sense once you see him being added to these movies, right? Yeah. Like I wonder who else are we missing? Especially like I think people have probably brought him up in the Hobbs and Shaw of it all. Like apparently they I'd seen things that people are saying either in news reports, whatever, that they'd wanted him for Hobbs and Shaw to probably be a Hobbs, right? Or be in the family, at least be on like Samoa Roman or something. Like Roman Reigns' other brother, yeah. Right. Yeah. Who else are we missing? Because, I mean, I'm very excited. <sighs> so, spoilers for the first season of Game of Thrones, but you've seen, have you seen Game of Thrones? Um, The first two or three seasons, and then, like, I get to a point where I'm like, eh, I can't watch this anymore. Okay. But, yeah, go ahead. So, just like on Lost, I had a track record on Lost of being like, this guy is my favorite character, and then, like, literally within an episode or two, they'd be killed, right? So... Okay. I'm like, oh my god, Kyle Drogo, fucking awesome, badass dude, you know, Khaleesi, you know, Daenerys learning to love him, whatever, this guy is awesome, dead. I'm just like, fuck, come on, yep. what the fuck? So, I've been on the, I mean, I think everybody's been on the Momoa train for a while, probably since Game of Thrones, but he's great in that, obviously, great as Aquaman, just, you know, good in everything, right? So, See, I'm very excited Dune, to have him here. Like we just was said, yeah, like, both of those, like, I don't know how he can, like, sexy dance fight in Fast and the Furious, but I'm sure they're gonna find a way for him to do it. So, I mean, the question we're going to ask, we don't have to, I don't want an answer now, because I think the answer is, <laughs> but the thing, the same thing we asked about F9 with Cena, it's like, how quickly will he turn family? And you were like, I just don't want him to be in this movie. And like, not only in the movie, but like two thirds of the way through the movie. So like, how quickly will he turn family in F10? We'll find out, because he is playing a villain. That's all we know. He's playing a villain. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, that's the reports. But, <laughs> I mean, 
yeah, we we might have to set like a timer for like uh, depending on how long the movie is, like about forty five minutes into the movie. I think we're gonna he's gonna turn <laughs> family. Well, you know, like what what's interesting. I don't think we actually talked about this. Is that they're sort of diverging on two different paths of villains. There's muscles and like, brains and brawn, right? Because like yeah. Charlie, yeah, yeah, yeah. hacker, that whole thing, and then like like we don't really need. Like, it's going to be interesting to see how Charlize, why Charlize needs, if they're teaming up or if they're just, like, a separate villain. Though, you know, she teamed up with John Cena in this, in, in Nine, so maybe she just needs an enforcer? I don't know. Are they going to be like, this is one of Hobbs's brothers and just not, like, have the rock in it? I don't know, man. Maybe. Like, do, like, I don't think so, but maybe. Exactly like Cena is Dom's long-lost brother. Just do the exact same thing with Jason Momoa being Hobbs's long-lost brother. I don't know. Maybe. Very possible. I mean, again, just get Dwayne Johnson back. Get Hobbs back. Look, little bro. Who is bigger? Momoa? Who do you think? Who's taller? Momoa or The Rock? Oh, yeah. I don't know. Oh, Dwayne by an inch. 6'5 to 6'4. Yeah, they're both kind of hulking, right? Like, they're yeah. <laughs> just huge ass dudes. Chase Momoa, weight 214? That seems too low. That's a lie. Dwayne Johnson's 260. I think he got up to 280 or 285 for some movie recently. Again, yeah, 214. Like, I understand that 214. Of all muscle. I get it, but still. Yeah, but still, it still feels like that's too too low. Like, I would I would have guessed 230, 240, 250 in that range. Again, pure muscle, but. Yeah, 235 is what I was guessing. Like, a fucking linebacker. If Roman Reigns is 265, according to Google. Well, I mean, also, I think the wrestler ones are kind of like, this is their character's weight. Sure. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. You know what I mean? Yeah, because height is generally not, I guess for those dudes, like, you're not going to lie about your height, but people are, like, six foot, like, there's a certain lead actor in one of our franchises that we cover on this podcast who's six foot on Google. It's like, okay, maybe. Like, Tom Cruise is, like, five, six, like, okay, maybe. Like, once you start hit a certain point, there's no need to lie about it, right? Yeah. But, like, up until that point, you might, you might embellish a little bit. I don't know. Exactly. Anyway, extracurricular activities, Joe. We can get back to Momoa later. We can have people maybe writing about Momoa. I don't remember. But what have you been up to since we last recorded? Pretty much absolutely nothing. Uh, it cool. snowed, and um, it was super, super windy. So we just had, like, an at-home weekend where just watched the football games, which were fun. And I'm excited for a Super Bowl, in which case, for, like, the first time in a long time, I really don't care who wins. And that's a good feeling. So I'll just watch yeah. it with enjoyment this year. You did something else in the last week. You watched the best movie of the year so far. I did? A Zac Efron vehicle called Gold. Oh, yes, we did, and we recorded the episode of it. Gold was actually really good. I liked it. We talked all about it on on uh, Zac Attack, so you could go listen to us talk about it there. But it was actually a pretty good movie, so um, I enjoyed it. Oh, uh, yeah, we finished Shit's Creek. Oh, that's what I wanted to tell you. We started watching Kim's Convenience. Yep. Have you heard of this? Have you watched any of it? I've heard of it. I've not seen it. Okay. It's another, like, one of these kind of wholesome sitcoms that's, like, really gentle, but it has Simu Lu in it, and it's really fun to watch Simu Lu not be Shang-Chi. Yeah, it's cool. We've been blowing through that just as, like, you know, 20-minute episodes that are that never end badly, and it's just, like, about these guys in Canada, these Koreans in Canada that have a convenience store and them dealing with that, so. Very cool. Anything else of note or no? No, that wasn't even of note. You just reminded me that that's what I've been doing, and I haven't done anything else. So, Well, friend of the show, Melissa Lynham, got married on Saturday. So we oh, have the congrats. snowstorm on Saturday. Yes, congratulations to her. Um, we had a snowstorm on Saturday. So, of course, like, you know, a smaller wedding, a COVID wedding, 
at a nice restaurant. And of course, they had to sort of reschedule it, but they pushed it later in the day because it was still snowing to like three o'clock. Once I got out of like my little neighborhood, like the roads were fine. And I don't think anybody couldn't go because of the snow. So it turned out pretty good. That's good. But it was a nice reception. Got to see some a bunch of friends from school because I know her from, from college. And I know a bunch of people, you know, she married one of my roommates and our other roommate was there. And so just a bunch of good times. So shout out to friend of the show and $1 patron, Melissa Lynham. Yes. Also on Saturday, Racer Trash did their final stream which very emotional. I was saying to you that like they kept doing like these fake outs of like, this is the end. And then, Oh, just there's one more thing. So, you know, they've uploaded like four or five more features to their Vimeo. So I think Abaduk is on there. What else they put up there? Hold on. I think they put a part of blue velvet and hackers and their dark wave thing. So that's all on the Vimeo. So I don't know that they're going to do more. There was talk in the chat about like, you know, I think that some of those people are going to continue doing the things, but I feel like they sort of did seem like from afar what happened to us. They're like, you know, because they started the pandemic. We're like, we got so much time. Let's just do all this stuff. And then like, they're like, oh, shit, we're doing too much stuff. I think they just kind of got burnt out on it. Right. Yeah, so yeah. it makes sense. I would imagine that I don't know if they are going to return as a unit, but I would imagine some of their editors are going to come back and do similar sort of things. So, you know, Razor Trash, we can't say enough good things about them. Shout out once again to Garrett Smith for telling us about it right because yep. it was just you know it's awesome it is that's all that i did what did i, did I watch anything of note i started so i finished i watched halloween kills because i finished the halloween series and i like that more than i did the first time because that's the new one that came out last fall okay but i did not like it as much more than the first one if that makes sense like it was it yeah. went up a little bit but not a ton and then i started last night the nightmare on elm street series i rewatched i've seen most of those like that's the one i'm most familiar with and so i rewatched the first one last night and like the effects are incredible. Like, I forgot how good the effects are. Have you seen the original Nightmare on Elm Street with Johnny Depp? Uh, yes. And probably. No, 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 no. We did. And we did again recently, like within the past five years. So, yes, I watched it again recently within the past five years. I don't remember. Like, as you said that, I was trying to remember what the effects were. And I don't really remember them that Like, because there's one where the first girl dies, because the premise for Nightmare on Elm Street, if people don't know, if they've never seen it, is that, you know, Freddy Krueger haunts their dreams. Yes. And so if you're asleep, he can get you. But, like, your body is sort of being messed with in the real world. And so the first girl gets, like, dragged all around the bedroom, like, up the wall and on the ceiling and around in the corner. She's, like, bleeding everywhere. There's, like, this geyser. Well, it just feels... For a movie from 1984, like, oh, my God, like this is great. Yeah. So like, I don't I, I haven't seen the original in probably a while, because when I was in Austin at Terror Tuesday, they showed the five, the original five sequels, like all on. I think they did Fred Timber. So like okay. five Tuesdays in September one year, they did all five. And they, I so I've seen all those recently. I don't remember the first time I saw this one, but I haven't seen it in a while. And I was just like, this is great. So uh, very excited to be rewatching those. Some of those sequels are very bad, but some of them are really good. So. That's that. Oh, I do want to say, so, on Apple TV Plus, yes, there is a new show called The After Party. Have you heard of The After Party? No. So The After Party is a millennial, sort of, or aimed at millennial murder mystery show. It's so perfectly cast, and these are all people that you love, too. So I would say you and Rachel should watch this. I would say if you want to binge it, or at least not wait, because they did three episodes on Friday, and they're doing one a week for five more weeks. So, like, in a month or so, they'll all be out if you want to watch it all then. Oh, no. I this, but, it, it already sounds up our alley. This might be, like, tonight fodder. Go ahead. About a high school reunion. I think a 15-year high school reunion. Okay. And in it is 
Dave Franco is the is a celebrity who gets killed in the first episode. Like it's the murder. He, like he's the one who's murdered or dies, and they're trying to figure it out. Okay. So Dave Franco, little Franco, Tiffany Haddish, and John Early are the cops. Ben Schwartz and um, Ike Barinholtz and Alana Glazer and a bunch of people are the the attendees the fellow alums okay but what's cool about it is that each of them when they remember the incident their retelling of the incident is in a different genre so oh god the yeah, first sounds right first episode guy. has so it's also it's made by lord and miller who did like the lego movie and did a bunch of like really good stuff so like it's just really really well made so the first episode oh sam richardson also from veep and from detroiters and everything and he's, I don't remember what, I don't know how to, his is just kind of like indie, kind of, whatever. But episode two is told by Ike Barinholtz. And it's basically like a John Wick, Fast and Furious style. There's a Fast and Furious reference in it, because Ike Barinholtz, remember, he's the What Would Vin Diesel Do from Blockers. So, like, yeah. this dude just loves Fast and Furious. So, and episode three, which I've not seen yet, I'm going to watch tonight, is Ben Schwartz, and it's a musical. So there's going to be, like, eight episodes, I think, each of a different genre. And it just, it's so funny. It's so funny. And so, like, it's everything that we love. So if you have Apple TV+, Plus, watch it. Um, by the time this episode comes out, there will be four episodes. I think there's going to be eight, I the think, after for party. the season. So The after party. Highly, highly recommend. Okay, cool. Yeah, that sounds really great. And every it, it sounds like pieces of everything that I love. So I'm excited. And I think that's it. Oh, also, I finished Yellow Jackets. Really good. Highly recommend. I'm continuing with Station Eleven. Which I do, I do want to correct myself that Wes likes both of them. I think I slandered him a little bit in the previous episode, yeah. but teasing because of course. But Station Eleven, like I was looking at IMDb, and like and you can't really always tell. Like the IMDb ratings don't always exactly correlate because I think that like, people who like the show, whatever. Anyway, there were like three really highly rated episodes at the end of the season, and like I've seen one of them, and it was really good, but like it felt different. Like it was sort of like a bottle episode as opposed to like the modern day, and, like the closer to the current day pandemic stuff as opposed to way in the future okay works better like that's what i like better so i don't know we'll see but station 11 i'm still on the fence about but yellow jackets i do recommend you guys might like yellow jackets i think rachel might especially like yellow jackets okay. i think i think i don't know because she loved lost and so this is this feels up her alley i think okay oh and finally you already know this but i saw the festivus episode um, <laughs> and it's great, right? It's great. Yeah. It's it's actually surprising to me how little Festivus has to do with the episode, kind of. Like Yeah. You know what I mean? It's more about the the, the bagel strike. The strike. It's the bagel strike, <laughs> yep. And then Elaine with the phone numbers and trying to get the sub sandwich card back and everything. It's oh, just yes. like <laughs> Yeah. Like I just assumed again, it's the it's the weird thing of Seinfeld. Like you don't you don't really know like what gets popular doesn't and there's always, always like four correlate. and there's always like four storylines right so yes whenever you're like oh is it this one and you're like oh the one with this and this and this and you're like yeah that one they kind of come together here but not really like not in the way that they do in the best episodes it's just no. that festivus is so weird singularly like george's dad right just <laughs> like so angry <laughs> it's so weird yes Yes, I finally seen it. It was called The Strike. I only have like 10 more episodes. Like it was, It's so near the end, but yeah, now we're what's into the, like... What's I think the title the, of the next episode? The next one? The one that I'm going to... Hold on. The one I'm watching tomorrow is called The Dealership. Ah, okay. Got The Dealership, The Reverse Peephole, The Cartoon, The Strongbox, The Wizard, The Burning, The Bookstore, The Frogger, The Maid, The Puerto Rican Day, and then Chronicle Clip Show Finale. No, Puerto Rican Day is the band episode, and I don't think it came last. It came, it, it, that's what it said. It came out on May 7th, 1998. 
did it? Okay, that's the one that they're... That's, like, the episode that they don't ever run in syndication. I guess they went out with a bang, kind of, or whatever. I, I sort of remember some of that controversy, but not really. You have some You have some good ones coming up, some some really funny ones, I think, so... You're, you're near the end, but there's definitely some good ones. I think that you, you've hit, like, all of my favorites, and, like, but these last ones are, like, memorable and good. Sure. Yeah. So I will, I will keep you in the loop there. Um, we have a Patreon page, too fast, too forever.com. Shout out to Cassie Wilson, Jake Freer, Ben Milliman, Nick Burris, Alex Ellen, and Justin Kleiman, Brian Rodriguez of Ooh. High School Slumber Party. Haley Gerbys, West Hampton, Christian Larson, Jerry Robinson, Dan the Duke, Hayden, Renato D. Donato, Michael McGann, Lane Middleton, Lindsay Lewandowski, and Jessica Collins, a.k.a. Montez. Thank you all so much for supporting us at the $5 a month level or above. If you want bonus episodes, we got one coming up next weekend. Too Fast, TooForever.com, access to the minute documents, all sorts of fun stuff, stickers, handwritten notes, love and affection, etc., etc. Too Fast, TooForever.com, or... You can send us an email to family at cageclub.me. And Joe, we got a handful of things to read today. Okay. First up, a quick comment on, and I don't remember the answer to this question, but on the interview with Linda Boyd YouTube video. Yes. Mist Muffin, M-Y-S-T Muffin, says, too long for me to find out, but did she fuck the cop to let Sean go? And this is one of our short episodes. It's like only 45 minutes. I think we talked about it, right? We definitely did. I don't did. remember what she said. We said that, like, maybe they're, like, off together and, like, now live together, like, post-Sean leaving, that they formed a very, uh, like, a serious relationship, um, is what yeah, I, I remember. I think so. He saw her in a moment of weakness or whatever, right? Yeah, and, and she liked the strong, militant type, because Sean's dad is a Navy guy. So, yep. that's that's what yep. I'm guessing, I think. Yeah, just, I mean, listen to the episode. I mean, I guess if that guy is, or, or woman, if that person is not going to listen to a 45-minute episode hyper-focused about one person or one thing in particular, they're not going to listen to this probably two-hour episode, right? So exactly. whatever. Mr. Muffin, whatever. Thanks for, thanks for commenting. It was a good 45 minutes, man. That was, I think, one of the best. So yeah, she was cool. From Wes, subject line is Tokyo Drift, a Christmas movie, which was on our last week's episode. Yes. He sent a picture to us on Facebook, too. He puts it in the email. says, what up, fam? Joey, you asked me, practically begged me to write up my incredibly important, <laughs> your words, information regarding your episodes because you want to ensure that everyone can benefit from my input, not just you and Joe. I appreciate your interest in what I have to say, so I'll try to do a better job. Well, let's, you know, let's stop blowing so much smoke <laughs> up your ass, but. Fan favorite you, email writer, Wes Hampton. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, 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 no. I have an answer to your question about whether or not Tokyo Drift is a Christmas movie. My instinct is yes, because I want to watch it all year, but also I noticed a detail during one of our many lengthy discussions about who's at fault for Sean showing up to the airport with no one waiting on him. Oh, perfectly timed. This is not, I did not do this in order, obviously. Just, you know, Sean's mom, Sean's dad, right here. Here you go. During the driving montage, there are a few shots of the city through the car window in one of the shots. You can see a giant watch on the other side of a building displaying the date and time. The date displayed is 12-11, which I believe is December 11th, not November 12th, because, according to Google, Japan commonly writes their dates in the year-month-day format. Look at this beautiful picture of my screen that I took and see for yourself. Confirmed, Tokyo Drift takes place at Christmas, and also Sean's dad wasn't there because he was supposed to arrive on the 7th, but he actually arrived on the 11th. Case closed. You're welcome. Stay furious, Wes. <laughs> Thank you, Wes. Well, that's the 11th. We don't know how many days have passed between, like, because is, is the clock immediately after Sean arrives? 
like as he's looking out the window in the taxi to Well, I just think if I mean if it's in December, it's a Christmas movie. Like if there are Christmas No, that trees part up, I'm saying, but like because of that you were supposed to arrive on the 7th and the date saying the 11th. Oh, right. Yeah. Is he in the taxi from the airport and he's 4 days late, which would make sense. Wes says during the driving montage there are a few shots of the city, so like I think that's while he's getting driven to Sean's dad's house, I guess. I don't know. Because it could be, like, when he's in the car with Han, which means, like, that could be, you know... Right. So... A month you know, later. That'd be crazy to take, like, a four-day four, four day flight to Japan. Yeah. No, I'm saying, like... Yeah. No, 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 I get it. Yeah. But thank you, Wes. Confirmed. Tokyo Drift is a Christmas movie. Perfect. Thank you. Then, Babakar. Remember, Babakar sent in an email, and he also followed up by saying, also, this is Babakar once again. So, thank you, Babakar. But, subject line, Fast 10 pre-production beginning and first new cast member confirmation. Well, 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 guys, it seems like we have first news on Fast 10 production and cast members being revealed in case you've been living under a rock. Knowing you guys about this franchise, you never miss anything. Aquaman star Jason Momoa has been confirmed to star in F10. Yep. Supposed to be playing a villain in the film, something he's only done once in the Sylvester Stallone feature Bullet to the Head, in which he did an incredible job as a lead antagonist. I've never personally. seen it. I've never seen it. I feel like maybe I did. I think maybe Bullet to the Head also has Han in it. Oh, why haven't we covered it? We should. I think that was on the list yeah sun kang is the star i think because i didn't like it i think that's why we didn't cover also the tokyo drift lap we had so many good things that we could have done right and just no but i'm saying like now this feels super appropriate right like now it's like it's a must watch so this movie comes out when 23 right so like our two laps that we have planned will basically carry us through this year so maybe the lap after that will be the f10 lap Probably. Like we did the F9 lap, yep, and yep. then we could do Momoa and whoever else is in the movie, or whatever we know about it, right? So Agreed. We got time. Yep. Nothing but time so far. Yeah. Stallone, Sung Kang, Sarah Shahi, Adewale, Akinoi, uh, I, I don't know, Mr. Echo from Lost. Okay. Jason Momoa, Christian Slater. So, solid. Yeah, definitely. Personally, I believe this is the cast announcement we needed to prove that F10 and to some extent 11 will end the saga with a bang we've never seen before could ever imagine. I believe Momoa will be the villain that won't face turn halfway through the movie and join the family barbecue style. Whoa, he thinks he's going to stay evil. If what Vin's implying earlier during press for F9 that the saga will be taking notes from Infinity War and Endgame, this may be a stretch, but Momoa could go no holds barred and kill a member of the family to send a message that he isn't playing around and will be a serious and biggest foe they've ever fought. Anyway, I wanted to get your thoughts on that and hear your input. One last thing, it won't be too long before what we see the film could offer as per a report from a catalog of future films. It'll begin production in March, a few months later than expected, but that may be in part to the delay the film got. Want to hear what you have to say about that as well? Until then, guys, take care, Babakar. What do you think about him staying villain? That's not a bad call for it being the last one, because there's no mm-hmm. use in turning him family. I, You know, we've had Charlize now in two movies, and she stayed the villainous, right? So There's that, and I also really, really, really like his idea that he will probably kill someone in the family. I think that in 10, if they're going to end this, there's got to be someone that goes. I hope for all sorts of reasons that it's not a woman. I think it's likely going to be Tezra Roman. I think so. Like, it's just, if, if they fridge Mia, they kill Mia, it's just like, come on. Like, that's that feels like the laziest, easiest thing, which I just hope it's not that, but... Also, because I love Mia, right? So Yeah, I don't think Mia... We've already killed Michelle Rodriguez once. We've already killed Han once. Like, Giselle hopefully will be back from the dead, because we've already killed her. Like, sure. It gotta be Tezra Roman. Or possibly both of them. Like, they, like, sacrifice themselves for something. But, like, if this is the end, 
like we have to kill a main character. Yeah. I was going to say, what if they blew up the space station? But we see the barbecue at the end when Brian pulls up. They're already safely back on Earth. Yes, so. yeah. And you can't kill Brian because... Because Brian is dead, right? So yeah, yeah, Dom yeah. won't kill himself because he has creative control. So although that would be that'd be that'd be powerful. Yeah, if Dom dies for sure. Yeah, yeah. And the final email today from Justin Kleiman, subject line: While home with COVID. Dot dot dot. What's up, Justin? He says, I watched a lot of TV. I agree with the Station Eleven thoughts. I wasn't too wild about it. We're through the first eight episodes of Yellow Jackets. Although I don't care for it after the first two episodes, I'm really enjoying it now. Cool. That's a good, yeah. If you haven't seen the Deutschland 83, 86, 89 series, I highly recommend it. Although maybe not for Joe since it has subtitles, but it's a great Cold War spy drama. That's on my list, Justin. I've not gotten there yet, but those were things that I had heard really good things about before. So they are on my list for sure. Cool. COVID came and went. I felt real shitty for a few days, but all in all, I was back to normal after eight days. So yay for vaccines. It usually takes me longer to get over a cold. All right. Wow. That's awesome. Thumbs up. Glad to hear you're good. I think he had like, he had like, semi-long COVID the first time, I think, if I remember right, right? Yeah, I think they did, yeah. That's not the real reason I'm writing in, though. The real reason is to tell you what, what about what I saw while driving last weekend. I was hoping to get a photo, but the car sped off before Vonnie could grab one. Okay. We went up to northern Minnesota to a cabin to cross-country ski for the weekend. While driving home, a car pulls into the lane in front of me. I see its license plate and immediately think, I need a photo for the podcast. I tell Vonnie to get a picture when we get to the stoplight. She's like, what? What is it? And so I'm like, don't worry, I'll tell you later. <laughs> Then, of course, Hank is now interested in asking what's going on. We get to the red light just as it turns green, and the car speeds off before she can get a picture, though with enough time that she can read it. Brazzers, she says? What's that? <laughs> to which Hank also says, yeah, what's that? I'm just like, uh, never mind. There's an inside joke with the podcast. Because <laughs> you always see the guy with the with the Brazzers um, license plate cover. <laughs> Well, I saw, yeah, I saw the Brazzers car, a Brazzers car here, so there's a Brazzers car in Minneapolis, too, or Minnesota, too, right? So, Hey, man, cool. that's, like, it's flagrant, right? Like, you you, you saw the you saw the episode of Seinfeld where he's like, I can't be an orgy guy. I need new clothes. I need orgy friends. And, like, that's what it feels like. If you have Brazzers as your license plate, you're like, hey, man, this is what you get. This is a, it's a lifestyle choice. It's a, it's, yeah, you've, you've committed to the full, like, you're fully committed to this situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I we're trying to scale back the questions. I don't want to ask this question, but, like, it feels like if we were doing more questions, be like, all right, Brazzers are, like, fill in the blank. Like, pick another one. Like, the, the thing is that we don't have, like, a rival <laughs> porn streaming service that we talk about. Yeah, yeah we don't. It's, it's not like it's Whataburger versus In-N-Out. It's just, like, Brazzers are, like, I don't know, like, what? Bang Bros? Like, yeah, no, I don't, I don't it's lazy. So, although Bang Bros, the, the the van, right? Like that car related, at least. So, it's true. We're not asking that question. Nobody worry. Yeah. But if if you're out there and you see a Brazzers car, please take a, take picture. a picture of it. Because apparently there's one in Jersey and one in Minnesota now. There's got to be one in like most states. I won't say every state, but I will say most states probably have a Brazzers car. It's a good vanity plate because I don't think the DMV would stop it. That's the that's the key too. It's not like go fuck yourself or so. You know what I mean? Like where it's like no, yeah. They'd be like that's that's gonna bypass the AI censorship thing or whatever, right? Yeah, because it just says Brazzers. <laughs> what kind of dude drives a car that has the Brazzers license plate? I can only imagine like you have to be wearing a velour tracksuit, right? 
I think the person that drives a, a, a Brazzers car probably got very wealthy on Brazzers or just just really loves Brazzers. So, oh, so you think that it's somebody that got wealthy from like you think that they're like associated with the brand, not just a fan. I think so. I don't think <sighs> that's a dedicated fan. I know. Like I think I think if you're a fan of Brazzers to the point where you consider that, I think a more reasonable though maybe not. I don't know, it's like a tattoo. Oh, that sounds license worse. plate is like a. I know. I was thinking that. I don't know if it's better or worse because you could like hide it. Like a. Imagine like <laughs> if you're just a fan and you're like going to get a job interview or something. Yeah. And you pull up, you're like, man, I crush it. And the guy's like, let me walk you out. You're like, no, I'm good. Like, no, I'm heading out there anyway. It's like, all right. And then they see you get in the car. Like that's even. It's gonna make or break that interview. Like it's all those kind of situations. I don't think that the guy that has a Brazzers license plate is worried about job interviews, Joey. Yeah, I understand that too, but. <laughs> I think that, like, I'm telling you, it's a lifestyle. When you've committed, you've committed. I guess so. I want to meet this guy. I want to meet one of these guys. Be like, what? How? Do you really, though? No, probably not. But I'm saying, like, like in passing, while I'm drinking one beer, I want to be like, what was the thought behind that? The reality is they would probably enjoy the podcast. Uh, yeah, maybe. Maybe they're just listening to 2F, using their browser's license plate. I've thought about about having and probably won't getting a two F two F license plate because I think I was just gonna or... say that now that now that we um now that we were on this topic that I think I should get the Connecticut one and you get the Jersey one. Worst case, they think it's too fast, too furious, right? That I mean, that's, it's the license plate they use in Forza. Can you check what? Check if vanity plate is available. NJ personalized plate. Vanity plate check. Place can be ordered online. Availability. Let's see. Perfect vanity. Oh no, this. This is like fifty bucks. Like it's not. It's not a ton. Individuals. Well, so you have one car, right? You got because you got rid of the go. You got rid of the go kart, or you got you only have the go kart. We only what have do you the have? Go-kart. We got rid of the pilot. Did the the pilot had ship fam? So do you did you lose the ship fam plates, or you still have ship fam? Plates? I have them, and I think that once you have them, you own them in Connecticut. It varies depending on state. In PA, they cycle them, but in Connecticut, you own the plates. Like, you could take your plates from one car to the next car because, like, the plates are yours. Once you paid for them, you have the plates. Because, like, this is, like, the thing. I think New York has it, too, because remember, like, the one guy had, like, New York Bus 1, and it was his, like, grandfather's plate because he drove the bus, and then he had it, and they were trying to get rid of it because there was, like, we don't do single digits anymore, and they, like, let him had a, do an addendum to let him keep it because he was like, this is my legacy to be New York Bus 1. And they were like, yeah. okay. So, yeah, I still have them. I have I don't know. I think I can use them again. Yeah. But I, I would like to get the 2F2F1s. I think those will be fun. Well, that's all the emails for today. If you want to email in family at cageclub.me, again, take pictures of cars you see with browsers on it. Or... The, I want to hear the, the, the exploit. <laughs> The thing of your wife and your kid being like, what's so funny about that? Are you being like, uh, never mind. <laughs> That's great, too. Thanks for the mental image. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's not, I don't think it's rare for people to know, but, like, it, it's also, like, it's, you know. You, you're I, outing I would, I would yourself. You like. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But also, like, if you look at that word, Maybe it's just because I know what it is, but it feels like there's a real association between what the word looks like and what it is. No. There's a, I've told you my story. Have I told it on here? Where, like, I kept hearing the song, and I was like, what is this song from? I know this song. Did I tell you this story? No. Okay, so, like, I was getting my haircut, just a teenager, just become a teenager. 
I was like somewhere and they were listening to Sirius XM radio and I and I heard this song and I was like, oh my God, I know this song, but I can't figure out where I know it from. And like I'm in this hair salon and like it was like my mom's friend worked there and like a bunch of other people. And I'm like just yelling in this hair salon, like, where is this song from? Where is this song from? One of the dudes that worked there came up to me and was like, that's the theme song to Real Sex on HBO. Oh, yeah. And I was like, that's exactly where I know that song from. Yeah. (laughs) But, like, I just outed myself, and I'm glad that nobody else caught on to it. And he came up and just, like, whispered it to me to be like, hey, bud, just, I was like, okay, cool. But, yeah. Yeah. Same kind of thing. Shout out to that guy. Yeah, he was a fucking G for that move, right? Like, that was a really cool-ass thing to do, just be like, hey, you're right. This is what yeah. it is. Stop yeah. yelling about it. We're okay. Cool. Uh, we have a store, Too Fast, Too Forever Not Shop. If you want to buy a Brazzers license plate. sticker <laughs> and put it next to your Brazzers <laughs> license plate, please, and thank you, Too Fast, Too Forever Not Shop. Joe, on the streets, any other news you've seen besides Momoa? Um, no, I have not. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, could can we make a t-shirt that just has a license plate that says Brazzers? <laughs> it's just Brazzers, and then just, like, the, it, like the license plate is Brazzers, and then the license plate cover like the holder it just has too fast too forever <laughs> yes 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 i'll make a note of that <laughs> brazzers license plate b-r-z-z-r like you know what i mean like so it's not to be confused with actual brazzers but it'd just be a t-shirt that has just a license sure. plate that says brazzers <laughs> i'm not gonna buy that shirt but we'll put it up there if other people want to buy it i think it's hilarious i actually will buy one i think it's really funny okay fair enough uh, Joe, is Dwayne Johnson in F10? Answer, still no. But we're, I feel like we're closer. It's still not. It's still no, but we're closer than we were, even though it has nothing to do with that him. That was mildly racist. <laughs> no, because we were saying it feels like they're setting up. I'm not saying because of that. I'm saying that they're setting up. I'm just teasing you. A muscular man showdown. They they absolutely did. That, that Somebody else said that. I stole that joke from Twitter because somebody was like, I feel like they're pl- like replacing one Pacific Islander with another one here. <laughs> like, that feels a little too close. They're not not doing that. <laughs> I know. They absolutely are. And I and I also think that it's 100% Vin being like, well, if The Rock's not... Listen, little brother, I'm going to get I'm going to get this other guy that looks kind of like you to join the movie instead then, okay? That's the power that Dwayne has is like he is not only like physically bigger, but like in terms of star power, who's bigger than him? Honestly, like right now, literally, is there a bigger star in the world? No, he's he's is the biggest movie star in the world right now. I don't think it would do it. But like Tom Cruise, maybe. But like right now, Dwayne Johnson's bigger than Tom Cruise. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I don't know. It's wild. Like Vin's the only one that's kind of close at this point, right? I don't even think Vin's close. I guess, like, there's, like, Marvel guys like Chris Pratt, but, like, that would kind of be a yawn. Like, he's just too busy voicing every Italian and every animated thing. We already have Ryan Reynolds. John Cena's working his way up, I guess, but he's already in them. We already have him. That's what I mean, so. Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah, also, uh, there's a site called HeelTread.com that sells drag and drift socks. If you want to get socks that look like the cars. Oh, yeah, those are really cool. cool. Lane sent that to us on Twitter. Yeah, those are really cool. The final thing to do before I take a break is the Fast and the Furious Minute, Minute 47. I was looking back at our first Minute document because the Sunday New York Times crossword puzzle this past week, the Sunday ones are the only ones that have a name. Okay. And the one on Sunday was Watch Your Step, and I was like, Watch Your Back? And so I was looking back at, like, we, because I'm like, I'm pretty sure we named a minute in the first movie, Watch Your Back. It is, Minute 8. But I was looking like, 
lately, and I don't think it's it's good or bad, but like lately we've been doing a lot of like quotes, which I think is cool. But early on, we just had like kind of just like whatever. So I named this one in sort of a throwback, not a quote, because there's some good quotes in this one. I just called this The Dirt. And we can get them for laundry. Nah, there's only one problem. What's that? Fuentes. Mm-hmm. Barone's tapping her. Tapping her? Tapping her how? That is crap. Hey, what you talking about, homeboy? We know what we've seen. So what do you think, O'Connor? You think she's compromised? You should know. What's that supposed to mean? What, you mean your old pal O'Connor didn't tell you? He flipped on Bilkins in L.A. Gave his mark his car keys and let him disappear. That's why he's not a cop anymore. So what do you think, expert? Man, I don't know. All right. We'll keep an eye on her. We're out of here. Let your man go, huh? Drop it. I don't want to talk about it. Drop it, hell? I want to hear about this, homie. I said forget about it, cuz. Got Fuentes in with Barone. Also, in honor of the new Pam and Tommy show, streaming exclusively on Hulu, because the Motley Crue had their album, maybe not album, the book about them was called The Dirt, so... Shout out to Pam and Tommy, streaming exclusively on Hulu. I've seen so many ads for that in my Twitter lately. It's going to be great. Really? Starts tomorrow. Yeah, I think it's, it's going to be really good, I think. Okay. It's like a comedy. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm going to give it a shot, but I just mean like I'm just being so... I, I am their target demographic based on their algorithm. <laughs> Pam, so Tommy is Winter Soldier, and Pam is the is Deborah from Baby Driver. Yeah, yeah. So, and Seth Rogen. So in this minute... Brian, Roman, Bilkins, and Markham continue their conversation about Verone and Fuentes. Markham tells Roman that Brian flipped on Bilkins in Los Angeles. Bilkins vows to keep an eye on Fuentes as Brian and Roman leave the fishery. Roman grills Brian for more info about flipping on Bilkins, but Brian isn't saying much as the minute ends. So, Joe, another tough minute. Yeah, I mean, they're still sitting in the same place. Definitely seems like the conversation is chopped and pieces are missing. As you watch it, you know, 15 times, uh, minute by minute. No real signs, nothing new on the tables. They barely get through the door. I realized this minute, one thing we never really talked about was, do you think Bilkins was excited or annoyed or dreading? Or what emotion was Bilkins feeling when he shows up to work and they've arrested Brian? I think that Bilkins admired Brian's enthusiasm and youth from the first movie. Um, I think he was trying to keep him in line, but I think he wanted to kind of form a mentor-mentee relationship, and Brian was just too young and aggressive to accept that. Okay, okay. Markham hates Brian, right? It like Or kind of despises him, is more annoyed by him. Bilkin seems tolerant from, like, the fight with Roman, um, just how he acts when they're in L.A. the first time. Like, all of those things, he seems like, to use, like, a weird word, but, like, grooming him. He's kind of, like, it feels like he thinks that he has aspirations for him. Even though you spend, like, five minutes with Brian, you're like, oh, this guy doesn't want to be a cop. Yeah, he's the worst cop ever. <laughs> he's really shitty at this job. But I think Bilkins does see like the oh, there's you know, there's there's some possibilities here. So you think in this time, the second time around, he's just feeling the feeling of like missed opportunity. Like no. we could have had something. I think even still he's like, okay, like, you know, he can 
he can recover from this. If he does well here, he might get himself back on the straight and narrow. So he loves a project and a relationship. Yeah. He loves a fixer-upper. He is, he, he is a property brother himself, yeah. Love it or list it. He is trying to love it, and Markham, I guess, is trying to list it. Exactly, so. yeah. In this case, I don't have a metaphor there. I don't know what that means in terms of listing Brian, I guess, trying to like sell him off to the highest bidder. I don't know. But. Yeah, you, you export him. He becomes part. <laughs> he fails upwards, which he does. That's that's the beauty of what you just said. Markham's like. He does fail upwards into the FBI. So, <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess, yeah, Markham wins because he lists it into the FBI. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he's like, hey, you were a shitty cop. You're a shitty detective. Would you be a shitty FBI agent? Let's try it. And he does. Should I change the name of this minute to love it or list it? I kind of like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like it. And people are going to be like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah, sure, get there. I mean, we just had a, we, I'm keeping in an extended conversation about the dirt, about Pam and Tommy, but, you know, now it's no longer called the dirt. It's called Love It or List It. So, cool. The only other thing of note I found in this minute is that I love, so we were talking in the last one about Roman eating Markham's sandwich, right? Yes. And so Brian says we're out of here and they cut to Roman and he takes like the last good bite of the sandwich or whatever and just like leaves like a nub of bread. He lives the and heel. As he, yeah. Yeah. As he throws that down, he picks up the other good half of the sandwich and walks out with that. Like, that's such a powered move and such a dick move and so funny. Yeah, I left you the end of the piece that I ate off of and took the other half. I agree. I like it a lot. There's also a song in this minute that I don't recognize that we'll, we'll get to in the next minute. I I, I didn't I, – I looked at the score on YouTube. I don't think it's the next song. Maybe it is, but I'll find out in the next minute wherever we go from here. Do you know where they go from here? I th- – think this is where they go to the nightclub. I think it skips ahead, and they're, like, instantly at the nightclub. So it's almost rat bucket time. I think so. I, I, that's my wow, guess. Okay. I'm, I'm not sure, but I think that's what it is. Because so they go rat bucket, and then they have, like, the drag race, right? The street drag race at some point. That's going to be, can you, like, that's going to be, like, a seven-week-long series for us to do. Because that scene is long. Which street, which street drag race? When they're doing the two-up, two-back. Oh, the chicken one, where they have to do one once yeah. around the pole? That's going to take us forever to get through. I think that that's probably not as long as you'd imagine. Okay. I just feel like everything we think is short is not short. But maybe that's the inverse. Maybe, like, things that I think are going to be longer are not actually longer. So, I don't know. Yeah. But is there anything else of note in this minute? Okay. So, yes. There is the iconic line in this minute. I think one of the most iconic from the franchise. It has been memed to shit. And it's forget about it, cuh. Right? So, like, that. that is from this minute. On the scripts.com site, which is where I pull the rough draft and I update it to make sure it's correct, they have it cuz, C-U-Z, which, you know, he's saying cousin-ish, but, like, he never says a Z. He no, just says cuh. Cuh. Yeah. Yeah. To pivot t- tiny bit here, I think that this should be the question for this minute. Okay. Because the other, there's another iconic line in this scene. Which, what is it? Tapping her. Tapping her how? Yeah, that... That one, but I think that that one's, like, eh, whatever. I get that, but I like this one better. But the thing that I was thinking is, what is what conversation is Brian trying to avoid with Roman when he says, forget about it, cuh? Like, what is Roman asking Brian about? Now, there was many things brought up in this minute, but he's specifically saying, you, you gave the, what does he say? Like, you gave him your car? 
gave his mark his car keys and let him disappear. That's why he's not a cop anymore. So what do you think? Oh, you let your man go, huh? That's the line I was looking for. So it's let Dom go with a car. Is it about his crush on Monica? Is it about his crush and relationship with Mia? And then we need a fourth one or no fourth one. Because all three things are kind of addressed here in this minute, right? Yeah, I think they are also. Brian flipping on Bilkins is the right answer. No, 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 no. Because he, he says, you let your man go. Not him flipping oh. on Bilkins. As they're walking out, Roman says, you let your man go, huh? Like So Brian flipping on Bilkins, Brian letting Dom go free, Brian's crush on Monica, Brian's relationship with Mia. Yes, because all four of those things are mentioned, but the thing that Roman's really curious about is him letting Dom go, and that's not what I would have thought that this was about. I really thought that it was about him remembering the line without watching it so many times this minute. I thought that he was talking about, like, oh, you had, like, another girlfriend in the thing. Like, it, like this was about Mia, is what I thought that he was asking about. And he's like, I said, forget about it. Like, I don't want to talk about what happened with Mia in L.A., because that would make the most sense. Like, if he was like, like, why did you let Dom? That doesn't mean anything to me. Like, and also you'd be like, oh, dude, like, uh, you know, shit happens. Right. Like, you wouldn't be, like, scared to talk about that, especially with, like, your boy. Like, I would have done the same for you. You know what I mean? Or something like that. Because there is the thing that, remember, Roman thought Brian turned him in, right? He did. Yeah. He thought that he's the one, like, he was the reason why he was in jail. Or some, or, so, I, but I think that was more, we, t- we I think we broke it down and it was more like he didn't get him out of jail. Well, I think there's just like a, what did he do? Why did you, why did you benefit that criminal, but you wouldn't help me? Also a very good point that I didn't think about. You're right. Because he does feel scorned. I don't know putting that together in a minute, but yeah, he's still probably harboring that resentment. You're right. He was scorned because he did say like, I, he did kind of blame Brian for him being in jail before. That's right. And he was like, you know, so I couldn't do it. So when he's like... You let your man go, huh? So, like, you know, wh- what about us? Like, you know, I-, I-, I know it's not exactly a one-to-one, but it's- You're I-, right. I feel like there might be that comparison there. And they'd known each other since they were kids. And, like, how long was he gone for? You did this for a guy that you didn't know that long, you know? Who's known each other longer, Dom and Vince or Brian and Roman? I think same. Same, same. Third grade? Uh, No, because I think that they, like, I- I- you're right. It might be Vince and Dom because I think that Brian and Roman say they met at juvie or went they definitely went to juvie together yeah and i feel like nine is probably too young for juvie i mean it might not be but it feels like that's probably like you're like 13 14 maybe like so like you know high school ish yeah i think so too all right so question in minute 47 love it or list it we're gonna be like what question is when brian tells roman to forget about it cuh, what conversation is he trying to avoid the answer brian letting dom go free Whew. right that's a that's Thank a you. pretty good question i think All right, Joe, let's take a break and let us come back to talk about Homefront. Episode number 224, Homefront. This episode's brought to you by the Property Brothers. The Property Brothers are back for a 13th season and have all new episodes. Check out the Property Brothers on HDTV. Well, shout out to the Property Brothers and welcome back to Too Fast, Too Forever. 
this week, tonight, this episode, as selected by Jake Freer on our Patreon, we are talking about Homefront. We are talking with it with about it with none other than the man himself, our Dwayne the Rock Johnson correspondent, even though he is not in this movie. <laughs> and I don't think would ever be in this. Actually, this does kind of feel like, and we'll get to it in a second. <laughs> This kind of feels like a Dwayne The Rock Johnson movie from around this time, maybe a couple years later. I don't know. Like, it feels like he could have been in this kind of movie before the ascension of Mr. DJ. With us tonight, we have the host of the Rocky Maivia Picture Show, Mr. Nate Milton. Welcome back, Nate. Doors open. Neighbor calling. What's going on, gentlemen? (laughs) Do you think this kind of feels like a bizarro reality version of a DJ movie, like, uh, you know, not necessarily a skyscraper, but not necessarily too far away from mm. a skyscraper. Yeah. Well, we know in every era, there is a torch that must be passed, you know, from one champion to another. And this feels like in much the same way where we had that one scene where Arnold Schwarzenegger makes a cameo in The Rundown and kind of yeah. passes the torch to Dwayne The Rock Johnson. This movie, this this film, let me not diminish what we're about to talk about, <laughs> gentlemen. This film was written by Sylvester Stallone. So it feels yes. like... It sure was. Arnold has his champion, and now Stallone has his champion with Jason Statham. So this was originally envisioned as a Rambo movie, which I can kind of see, although uh, I feel yeah. like the way that the Rambo movies operate, they up the body count each time, and mm. like the body count's not low in this movie but it's not high like it's maybe six or seven right so it's not crazy eight or uh, kind of eight feels... to ten with the guy at the beginning too yeah that's what yeah, it maybe. seems like yeah but it's not it's not a crazy high number but yes this is the only movie that sylvester stallone has ever been a part of the production of writing directing producing whatever that he has not been in so i'm not exactly sure how this wound up i know that dolph lundgren was interested at one point Ooh. mickey rourke was considered at one point mm. but when Jason Statham showed interest, they're like, all right, let's get it back. Let's, let's get it going again. So this was almost, you know, any number of these different movies. But I also feel like I don't know the DJ, maybe the DJ role in the in the lead here. But like, it's just this kind of this breed of movie where it's like a B movie, kind of a little schlocky, but like with a little bit of like gloss or Hollywood on it. That's just like maybe it's a little bit classier than you think it is. I think the the closest comparison I would say to a movie that The Rock's done is this is probably Jason Statham's Walking Tall. Okay, this okay. feels a little bit like The Rock in Walking Tall, where it's a role that I think anybody could have played, yeah. uh, but the movie is probably elevated by the fact that, you know, Walking Tall is better because of The Rock, and I think this movie is probably better, and that's no shade to Mickey Rourke or Dolph Lundgren, question mark. Uh, it's probably better because of Jason Statham. I realized in watching this movie, because we had also just recently watched In the Name of the King of Dungeon Siege Tale, yes. which is another uh, one of our patron picks, that Stephen basically has two modes. He's got Ruthless Killer, and Ruthless Killer who's trying not to be a Ruthless Killer. <laughs> and so in Dungeon Siege Tale, he was a farmer, just like, hey man, I'm just a farmer. He was farmer. Here, he's just like, he was far- actually farmer. Just His name in this one might as well be Small Town Dad. Just like, <laughs> hey, you know, things broke bad in the beginning. Uh, but I'm I'm out of that game, and I just want to be a dad. I you know I have a certain I have a set of skills, but I'm a dad, and that's all there is to it. And yet, in both of those movies, the real Statham emerges. Yeah, I was I was really impressed with Statham in this one. Like, you know that like sometimes I get kind of lost in like pure action movies. Like I'm not a huge fan, but mm. like Jason Statham really carried it. This was one that like his 
his badassness. The only thing that like I regretted about it as I'm watching it is I'm like, there's no way that Statham doesn't kill every single person that's fucking with his like <laughs> his life and daughter. Like there was like there was no sense at any point that he couldn't get out of this. And that's the only problem that I have with it as I'm watching it, like overall. So now you had not seen this before, is that correct? No, I've never seen this. Had you heard of it before we started talking about it on the podcast, nope. or is this is it brand new to you? Brand new to me. Mm. And Nate, this I, I gave you a list earlier in the lap. I was like, we want to have you back on. Here's the movies that we're going to do this lab that have not been claimed. And you from this list picked this and one other one. But what about this movie struck out to you? Is this one you had been meaning to see? Is this one that you'd wanted to see? What's your what's your history with Homefront? This is one that I had never seen, but I remember the trailer. Okay. And I remember the trailer because we had James Franco and uh, Winona Ryder yeah. as the villains. And I was like, that's... That seems odd. <laughs> in, yeah, yeah. In 2013 or whenever this movie came out, and I was like, you know what? I've never seen it. I'll like I'll never have an excuse or a reason to watch Homefront again. <laughs> uh, so I might as well watch it with the Joes. Perfect. I saw this in theaters. And what'd you think? I did not like it. Mm. I liked it a little bit more this time, but I feel like there was something because I'm like, oh shit, because that was you know. Well, this is 2013. That's right around the era. This is Fast and Furious 6, the same year that that comes out, right? So yeah. this is my, like, oh, my God, Jason Statham is the best actor of all time, right? <laughs> yeah. like that's that's this era. There's a movie where James Franco plays a guy named Gator, and it's about, like, meth. And, like, this is in the era of Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, he's a meth kingpin or adjacent to a meth. Like, it's like, this is – my expectations were very, very high, and I think what this movie tries to do is it kind of – it pulls a little bit of a fast one on you, I think, in a, in a creative way. It's, it's like this is not an a, a pulpy action movie. This is kind of like a slow burn kind of indie drama that also has, like, B-movie stuff. And then Frank Grillo shows up at the end. You're like, okay, uh, now I know what this movie is. Now that Frank Grillo's here, I get what's going on. But, like, I think that the movie kind of sets it up. I don't remember the trailer. We'll talk – we'll watch it at the end. But, Nate, did the trailer sell this as an action movie or just like a, a movie where James Franco and Winona are villains? It sold it as an action movie, like very much like you were saying, the vein of dangerous man with a particular set of skills who is trying mm-hmm. to live a normal life. And the it's the it's the uh, epitome of the F around and find out movie. Like nobody okay. will let this man live his life. Everybody's bothering him. I think the like the gas station scene might be in the trailer. Like. Okay. This town is just messing with Jason Statham, and he's trying his hardest not to beat people up. He's warning them, giving them chances to to rethink their actions, and then he just con- commences to uh, you know, just dispensing the ass beatings, gentlemen. And and, yes, and yes, I sir. think we got at least two or three of them in the trailer. And much like you, I was into Statham heavily at this point. It was one of those movies where I was like, I need to go see that one weekend, and I never got around to seeing it. And had had this not been on the list for the podcast, I probably would have gone the rest of my life without watching Homefront. And that would have been a disservice to me, gentlemen, because I yeah, would have never gotten to see James Franco as Gator. Now, Joe, you're a big Francophile, and that not, not using in the terms of, like, you love German <laughs> culture, but I'm just saying in terms of you love James and Dave Franco. What did you think of Franco as Gator? I liked it. He actually seemed toned down. It wasn't like as as mm. obnoxious as like Alien and stuff. Like I thought that it was going to start to turn that way. Do you like the restraint, or you want to see him turn it to eleven? No, no. I I like the restraint in this one because there was so much like like you know like the B movie stuff happening and with Winona there. Like if he would have like really sent it with Winona there, 
I think it would have felt a lot different. He also seems more sober than he is in most movies in this mm. one. Like, he always seems like he's really stoned at points of movies. And um, in this one, he seemed like he was, like, kind of, like, together, even though he was supposed to be playing like he was smoking meth. So I, I really did enjoy it. Like, I thought that he, he did a good performance. And, like, we always see him be on, like, the dark, darker side of things. But in this one, he's, like, actually a villain, right? So that was interesting. Like, he's mm. always, like, playing, like, a guy that, like, probably shouldn't be around kids. But in this one, he's, like, fully commits to being, like, oh, no. Calling in a hit. Kill the daughter. I don't fucking care. I'm going to smoke meth. And I just cook meth. That's what I do. See, Gator Gator kind of has, like, grander ambitions in this movie. Like, he's trying to work his way up the food chain. He's trying to bring in, yeah. what was the, Danny T. Yes, I, how can I forget it? Danny mm. T. Danny Tanner. The, the meth kingpin, Danny Tanner. Rest in peace, Bob Saget. Yeah. But Danny T, he's tr- he's trying to utilize this opportunity to, like, advance his career. I kind of want more I, – I personally would rather have more unhinged Franco than, like, restrained, sort of cunning – this is not the Franco that I want. Nate, what about you? What, you are you a Franco head? Or are you I, – I know that now he's somewhat, to yeah. some extent, canceled, so I know that there's that whole element yeah. of it. But in terms of the acting, in terms of the – what you get from him in the movie, because he tends to deliver a certain thing – did you like him in this? Did, mm-hmm. you, did you want more from him in this? Like, where, where do you fall? Oh, before we get to the Franco of it all, let, let's let's yeah. circle back to uh to our to our guy Danny T here because okay. when I realized who Danny T was, I had the most like this is gonna be a very very niche uh, recollection because I'm like, wait a minute, that guy looks familiar, and so I went on Wikipedia and I found out that Danny T was played by Chuck Zito. Yep, Chuck Zito, actor, boxer, bodyguard, Hell's Angel. But I know Chuck Zito from an episode of WCW Monday Nitro. Oh God, really? <laughs> Where he Chuck was on Zito, Nitro? Chuck Zito was like Hollywood Hulk Hogan's bodyguard for like one week, and yeah, like Chuck Zito and the Hell's Angels came out to the ring with Hulk Hogan, and yeah. <laughs> And that, yeah, that's as much as I'm going to comment on that because whenever I start talking about Terribalea, I, I might step on some toes. So I'm, I'm going to leave it there, fellas. So what's interesting about Chuck Zito is that he is from, I guess he's only in a handful, but he he, he acted on Sons of Anarchy, mm-hmm. right? So, like, you know, he's a biker guy in this, he's a biker guy in that. Maybe that's why he got this part. I don't know. But, you know, he played Frankie Diamonds, apparently, on Sons of Anarchy. So he's been around. He's been... That tracks, though, because if, yeah, if... When did, when did Sons of Anarchy start? I don't even so know. So he was on in 2012. Okay. The show itself was on 08 to 14. So biker culture, you know, like rock and roll motorcycle club, those kind of jackets, mm-hmm. you know, the uh, the palindrome jacket from Spy Racers, yes, right, yes, Joe? Yeah, exactly. Uh, those <laughs> have been around in the lexicon for a handful of years by this point. This is actually toward the end mm. of the Sons of Anarchy run. Now there's a spinoff or whatever, right? Like there's at least Mayans a, was on. Mayans, yeah. yeah. But but getting back to the Frank of it all, I think like whatever controversies aside, like cancellations and all that aside, just as an actor, I think Franco's usually really good. I do think though, as Gator, I might I might have to agree. Like I like the more subdued, which is a funny word to use about a, an aspiring meth kingpin. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah. But I like a more subdued Franco in this role because. I feel like his energy and Statham's energy work well together. Like particularly in that bar scene, yep. I like I like that. I like that vibe between him and Jason. Okay, 
Okay, so I guess I'm outnumbered here, but that's fine. That's fair. I actually do want to show because this movie was on it, Netflix. I mean, to be fair, like you you are connecting dots that aren't there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Homefront, Homefront is about Phil Broker, who's Jason Statham, is a former DEA agent who's gone through a crisis after his action against a biker gang went horribly wrong and cost the life of his boss's son, Danny T's son. He's recently widowed and is left with a nine-year-old daughter, Maddie. He decides to quit the turbulent, demanding life of thrill for Maddie's sake and retires to a small town in Louisiana. His daughter fights off a boy who was bullying her at school, and this sets in motion a round of events that end in his direct confrontation with the local meth drug lord. His past history with the biker gang also enters the arena, making matters more complex. But he has a mission in mind to protect his daughter, and he's ready to pay any cost that it demands. So... That's Homefront. I'm I'm really confused why he had all of his personal classified files just lying around in his house. <laughs> you know, I don't know. That's a very good question. Yeah, that was that was my main like I was like, okay, I'm I'm good. This movie was kind of grounded in realism, right? Mm. Like for being about like meth and all this weird stuff. I was like, oh, cool. I like that they're playing the like the small town. You know, you set the things in motion. She punches a kid. Somebody gets mad. Calls a br- like all this thing. Like I really like that. But then like when they got there, he's like he like sneaks into their house and he's like, oh, look, this is the file of when he was like, in the biker gang undercover. Mm. And like there's his picture and there's the person he murdered. Perfect, and like folds the file up, tucks it in his shirt, and just walks away. Yeah, that's how it goes. That's just, that's how it rolls sometimes, I guess. Can we talk for a second about uh, the daughter? Yeah, Please. I think I think the daughter was my favorite part of this movie. Yes, because I think she is remarkably good. Yeah, I liked her a lot. Like I, I'm not familiar with the actress uh, that portrayed the daughter, but I thought. She was really good, and I could buy her as this kid that was raised by Jason Statham, DEA agent slash father of yeah. the year. Like I, I bought their relationship, and the the scenes at the school, you know, the little scenes that we got at the school. Like I thought she did a good job in them. So she is still acting. Her name is Isabella Vidovich. Uh, she's best known for the movie Wonder, that movie with Jacob Tremblay and uh, Julia Garner, Julia Roberts, different Julia, Julia Roberts. And she's also known for this and The Fosters and About a Boy. But she's been on Law and Order Organized Crime last year. She's been on Supergirl as young Supergirl, Veronica Mars. Okay. The Fall. Like, she's on a bunch of stuff. So she's acting a lot of TV stuff. But I think she's really good because, like, that element, Nate, that you're saying of Jason Statham's daughter, like, when she beats up that kid at the playground, mm-hmm. she's like, I told you twice. Like, she's – I think there's a, there's a fine line between annoying, precocious, yep. and, like, believable, yep. grounded kid. And I don't know if it's the writing or the acting, probably the acting – but they sell it. I'm just like, yeah, I believe that she not only can handle herself, but like would kind of get away with that. And is smart. Yeah. And has like yeah. the precociousness that you would want. You're right. Without being annoying. Mm. I, I really enjoyed her, too. I thought she was great in this. And I, I definitely agree with Nate that like it felt like she had been trained by Jason Statham and they played off each other really well because there's a lot of scenes with just those two talking mm-hmm. right yep. like yep. riding horses or just riding in the car or whatever and like they seem to have a pretty good working relationship because like it, it worked it was believable so I like that a lot yeah and she serves as like I like how she's his anchor you yeah. know she keeps him from crossing a line that he couldn't that he wouldn't be able to come back from she's not like you said she's not this precocious kid but that like you can tell just from her like you know hey dad like they've they've been through some things together <laughs> and they've got like a language and a relationship and she's the one thing that can keep him from going too far. 
Yeah, and like she's, I mean, it's it, it's the Christmas thing, but she's the reason for the season, right? Like she, yeah. he's the <laughs> yeah. she's the reason he retired from his life of crime. Mm-hmm. She's the reason he cut his hair because the movie starts out. Yes, yes. Stephen with a wild, like tough guy accent that can't quite mask his British accent. <laughs> yeah. He's got the yeah. long hair. We see the guys in the Breaking Bad yellow jumpsuits cooking, right? Like he is full on biker bro here, mm-hmm. and he steps away from all that because of Maddie, because of the nine year old, because of the daughter. So like, I think the relationship, like if their relationship doesn't work, if they don't feel believable, if it doesn't feel like she's good. It, none of this works. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that that has to come at the start of it. And I think it does. I think it works. Mm-hmm. Joey, you mentioned accents. And I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just throwing this out <laughs> yes, there. Yes, please. please. Do you feel like there was a point during the production of this movie where they actually attempted to have Jason Statham do a southern accent and they were like, yeah, this isn't going to work. Just, just use your normal voice. Well, so the movie starts, and I know that he's undercover because I've seen this before and I don't remember everything about it, but I know he's undercover. My mind is trying to figure out if the accent he's doing is how his character actually speaks mm-hmm. or if it's an accent the character is doing mm. to, like, be undercover. True. And then I, I, I just thought about it for too long and nothing makes accent sense. Accent inception. I, just, like, I can't pay attention. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. I I was very confused because <laughs> it switched at the beginning. <laughs> and then we arrive in Louisiana and I'm like, are they just trying to say – and, okay, so this pivots to my next point. Seeing Statham in, like, a flannel shirt and a mm. hat driving a Ford truck is was very jarring for me at the beginning. I wasn't ready for that or used to that. Like He's America's golden child. We've adopted him. <laughs> apparently. And, like, I'm so used to, like, you know, Shaw being, like, suit, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Aston Martin – I drink champagne type situation, like that Statham. So I was like, whoa, this is a little weird. But then, yeah, I thought they were going to try to say that he was just from Louisiana and just not a dress that he has an English accent, which I kind of like better. But at some point they do reference like, oh, you just got into town here. Like you're new. Right. And I'm like, okay, well, like, that's fine. But like, I think it would have been better if we would just pretended like it was a Creole accent and like nobody else understood that. Like, there are characters, like, he came from the world of the Guy Ritchie movies, and, like, Brad Pitt and Snatch, like, is literally, like, his Cockney accent or whatever is, like, literally indecipherable, right? So, like, Statham is not that far from acting in movies where, like, a character just literally cannot be understood. So, it's, yeah, go Creole. Go full Creole in Homefront 2. Make a sequel and, like, don't let Jason Statham speak actual English. Just, like, real, like, nothing. It just, but... So do you think, does everybody understand him and we don't, or no one understands him? No, I wanted it to be that, like, everybody is talking in Creole but Jason Statham, and nobody addresses that he doesn't have the same accent. That's what, that was my oh, optimal okay. thing okay. that I wanted. Okay, now, gotcha. see, now okay. Now, my, my movie, my movie, Homefront 3, is, <laughs> is where Statham adopts a Creole accent, because I want to see how the Creole and the British blend. I want that m- melting pot of accent work. But but everybody else around him is British. Like he goes back yes, to England yes. and he he's goes back doing home. <laughs> but he stayed in Louisiana so long. He's adopted a Creole accent, and now he goes home, and nobody can understand him. <laughs> I love it. I've got to say, one of the the main points of contact for one of our biggest clients at my job is a Scottish woman who lives in Puerto Rico. And oh. I was like, I don't know. Like I'm like, I don't know if this is weird, but like, can you just like speak Spanish? Like it was just me, her, and, and my boss on a, on a call, and like it was it was over, and we were talking about her accent or whatever. And hearing a Scottish woman speak fluent Spanish, I was like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever heard. It was amazing. So I want to hear Creole 
British. Whatever, wherever, yeah, whatever, you know, dialect of British that he is. Because it's, it's all, you know, it's whatever his specific thing is. Yeah. But Creole. Yeah. Please. It's the Queen's Creole. Three. Yes, the Queen, the Queen's <laughs> Creole. <laughs> Winona in this. So this was already covered on our network by Winona Forever. And they liked the movie. They really liked the Winona in this. Because I think sort of like... You know, other people that we've covered before, you know, other actors on the network, whatever. And, like, the same thing we're seeing with Zac Efron, Joe, is, like, we've seen him do one thing a lot. And yes. sometimes he does that really well. Yep. Sometimes he does it not as well. Sometimes the movie is just not good. But, like, you kind of know what you're going to get. And they're like, we need something different. So Winona being the villain, it's like, oh, that's fascinating. So I think, like, objectively, I don't know if they would have liked this movie just off the shelf. But because they were following Winona's career in, like, 30, 35 movies in or whatever – all of a sudden, she's a villain and, like, you know, a, quote, meth whore, right? Because yeah, Frank yeah. Grillo calls her a meth whore. It's just like, this is new. So, yeah, Winona, not on screen a lot, but, like, impactful in in multiple ways. I could have used more Winona, honestly. Yeah. And, and this great. is coming yeah. from somebody who I forgot. Well, technically, I didn't forget because I've never seen this movie. Uh, but when Winona first comes on screen, I had a moment, a brief moment of – is Juliet Lewis in this thing? Yeah. And then I was like, got yellow yellow jackets on the brain. I was like, no, that's Winona. But Winona was great in this. I I I wanted more. I love Winona a lot, and like, it, it, she's somebody that like I kind of forget about. Like I know that mm-hmm. you know Winona forever on the on the podcast network, mm-hmm. but like even still, like every time I see her, especially like in movies more recently. In like Stranger Things and stuff, I'm like, holy shit, she's really great. Yeah. yeah, so I'm with you, and I did like seeing her play something darker at the point where she kind of kidnaps the daughter. There, like her character was. Well, it doesn't kind of straight up kidnap. Well, the daughter. well, like, I'm she saying full, full blown kidnap the daughter. She does, but I'm saying, but at that point, as we're watching the movie, like Rachel and I, I'm like, is she actually kidnapping the daughter, or is she trying to like escape the daughter? To save her, like, her character was, like, so teetering between, like, absolute evil and, and like, kind of wanting to turn the corner. That, yeah, like, her character's very methy. It's just, like, I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> well, that, that, or, or that, yeah. But, I was, but, like, I was just, like, oh, and in that moment, I was, like, oh, that was, she was playing the character really good for me to not have a sense of, like, how this is going. Like, what is she going to do here? I like that. Yeah. So, Winona's career is interesting, and I didn't watch all of her movies. I've seen the big ones, obviously, and I've seen a couple others here and there, whatever. But she starts out kind of like Tom Cruise, where just like in her first 10 movies, it's like, holy shit, there's like five huge movies in here. And she's like everywhere, and she's in all these great movies. And then before too long, she has the whole shoplifting thing, and she kind of gets blackballed from Hollywood. Which and is, like she's which just is not crazy around. thinking about that in 2022. I know. Yeah. Like, to get canceled for shoplifting? Yeah. Like, it's I understand, the- like, it's a problem. It's a crime, but, like... <laughs> like Winona lost the bag for taking a bag. Yeah. Exactly. And it's, like, and she could have paid for it. Like, that's the whole... Yeah, like, for all the things that people have done yes. since then, like, Winona stealing a bag is, like, okay. Like, we can yeah. just... It's quaint. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it feels, it feels gentle. It definitely does. <laughs> so she has to, like, claw her way back into Hollywood. I also think if it was a dude, they'd be, like... Yeah, man, just don't steal. Come back in these movies. Yeah, so pay, like the whole pay the fine, pay the store, do some community service. We're good. Like, let's do it. Like RDJ, I love RDJ, but RDJ was a mess for years yeah. and still got yeah. work. Yep. And probably got work because he was a mess, right? Like, ooh, he's 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 the bad boy. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. So 
so she claws her way back in with like these indie movies and like there's a series of the Winona Forever episodes that are like 15 or 20 minutes long as opposed to like the normal 40, 50 minutes long because they're just like, we got nothing to say. Like there's nothing to talk about in this movie or this role. Like it's just like weird nothingness. Mm. And then there's like the return of Winona. And I think the big thing is obviously Stranger Things, but like she's back now to a certain extent, right? And so yeah. like this is on that ascendance because this also, to compare to another actor on the network, the titular Nicolas Cage, this feels like, the beginning of the not end but there's a very clear line in cage's filmography or around like 08 09 where he starts doing multiple movies a year and a lot of them go to vod Mm -hmm. and they're not all bad but they're also not all good and this feels like this fits firmly in that era and like some of i think it's like in line with some of his better ones like stolen or seeking justice where it's just like I don't know, like, it, it, this movie was in theaters, sure, like, this movie made, like, $50 million in theaters or something like that, $48 million worldwide, okay. $22 million budget, so, like, the movie made money, but, like, if you're like, yeah, this is just, like, straight to DVD, it's like, yeah, that makes sense, like, it's a big budget straight to DVD, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, but it just, it feels like it's, like, it's on that line between, like, is this a theatrical release, or is it just, like, a straight to Netflix, and not, like, in a good way now, where it's like, oh, don't look up with Leo and J-Law, like, it's, that's straight to Netflix, it's like, no, this is, like, let's just hide this, because, like, whatever like this it feels it straddles that line i have more experience than most anybody should with that because of cage and because of like the 30 movies he made between like 09 and 15 <laughs> or whatever right yeah aye, aye, aye. oh but i do have one quote from winona so she said she accepted the part as it allowed her to explore something new quote what's creepy is that she's sober and she's running this drug operation with franco's character and it means the epitome of evil in a weird way. If it's possible to be a victim and be a diabolical at the same time, I'd never explore that. And I think that's what you're saying, Joe, to a certain extent, yeah, right? Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. There was also a slightly campy, arm candy element to her that appealed to me. She's such a complete chick. She's what you think of when you hear the words biker chick, so. Yeah, and Winona played it great. Like, she's very versatile for... For sure. For what we see her in. We have a scene where... Uh, Jason Statham is planning a birthday party, and this is happening while they're trying to, you know, like, they're they're setting up his murder to get back at them. Did this birthday party not have so much Fast and Furious energy in it? Well, the whole, like, the the family beef is all very Fast and Furious, because, like, Cassie, who is Kate Bosworth, a very messy Lois Lane from Superman Returns, she just wants to, she wants to defend her family, right? Like, she's like, my family's been, their honor has been damaged, and I want you to, like, and we're on the other side of that. Like, we're the ones who kind of, did, you know, dishonored her family. But, like, that whole, like, the, the, the kid subplot, the birthday subplot, like, that's straight up Fast and Furious. You're absolutely right. Like, the barbecue, the, the like, I it had, like, so much Dom energy to me. And, like, Jason Statham, like, with the bald head and the sunglasses and, like, at the barbecue, like, I'm like, this seems like a scene that will be in Fast and Furious 10 with, like, a young uh, Brian Right? Like, it just felt like they're going to have a kid's birthday party at some point in the Fast and the Furious. Yeah, that's the new BDE. It's Big Dom Energy, specifically at a barbecue. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Nate, you got to take on the Fast and Furious of it all and the barbecue stuff? Yes. Can But before that, can we talk okay. about Cassie for a second? Because I yeah. okay. have thoughts. Okay. 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 <laughs> so. Kate Bosworth character. Yes, Kate Bosworth as Cassie. She's kind of like a proto Karen. In, in modern parlance, yeah. if you will. Okay. She, she's a, yeah. a proto-methy Karen. Yes, a proto-methy Karen. Uh, she's very methy. Because uh, we her big scene early in the movie is, you know, when her son is the boy that bullies uh, Maddie on the playground. Yep. 
and Maddie defends herself. Uh, she warns him twice, like a daddy taught her, and then she commences to nearly crippling this boy. Yeah. Uh, and, and so then uh, Cassie verbally goads her husband into catching a beat down from Jason Statham. Yes, she does. Yep. It's like, Jimmy, do something. Why do, you going to sit there and let that happen, Jimmy? Don't let him turn the back on you, Jimmy. Get him, Jimmy. <laughs> and meanwhile, Sheriff Clancy Brown is just sitting here like, here we go again. And like, she is the, the, the moment where like, like they're driving back and she's so mad smoking the cigarettes. You're like, you instantly dislike this woman, but it, it's a credit to Kate's performance. Like, it feels so real of this small town and woman. You also feel sorry for her, I think. Yes, yes. She's not a one note character. Yeah, I, it's a, I, I think it's so. A, too. It's a tough thing. It's a tough balance. It's hard. I, I, people that draw an emotion from you, like playing a role, are doing a good job. Like, mm-hmm. whether you like them or hate them, like, they're doing their job because, like, the, it's not like you just hate. You don't hate this actress. You hate the character. So, like, yeah, mm-hmm. she's selling it for to me for sure. And I was just like, ugh. Like. And I felt I felt really bad. You know, as much as I had a sympathy for Cassie, Joey, I think the person I felt the most for in that scene was Jimmy. Because Jimmy knew. Jimmy's <laughs> yeah. like, come on, man. Like, you see him. You see me. Like, this, this ain't going to end well for Jimmy. Yes. But Jimmy was a man. He stood up for his wife and his son's honor and took a beating like a man. <laughs> And, like, later, he comes back, and he's, like, he, like to her brother, who is James Franco, Gator, mm. and he's, like, can you please stop giving my wife meth? Like, look at her, dude. Like, yeah. I'm just trying to have a family here, and, like, she's all yacked out, and, like, and just getting trying to get me into fights. I got my ass beat by Jason Statham. Like, can we just call this quits? Like, I work at the sanitation place. Leave me alone. Like... I think what's also kind of funny in a sad way about the Cassie thing is that, like, it feels like she really wants this, like, rivalry, and then she finds out that, like, Statham and his daughter are, like, both, like, good people. Like, there's just, like, a misunderstanding of, like, her kid mm-hmm. was being a dick, and, like, it almost feels like it deflates her because she's like, yep. I want to fight them, but, like, we're wrong, but, like, I don't want to let that go. It's right. just like, oh, it's okay. Like, you know, just be friends. Like, you can be friends. But I think the meth of it and everything is just like, I, 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 Yeah, that's that's usually what happens. Um, by the way, speaking of the school, Joe, did you recognize Maddie's teacher? The counselor woman, or there's a teacher? No, I think the teacher, the redhead, that, that, that Stephen yeah, kind of gets chummy with. Yeah, that that's like her, psych, the, she's the school psychologist yeah, or yeah. something. Okay. But, did, no, did you recognize her? No, I, I did, but I don't know what from. So she's Rachel Lefebvre, Rachel Lefebvre, probably French, whatever. She's Victoria Sutherland in the first two Twilight films. Hmm. Oh. Oh. I don't know who this. I, I know I know the name Sutherland from Twilight Forever. I don't know who she plays in those movies. She's like thirteenth or fifteenth build or something. So like not a star, but she's from Near and Dear to Your Heart, Twilight Forever. She is, and I think that she, I'm. I don't remember specifically, but I think that this actress was like the one that held out, and they were just like, "Cool, you're not in the third movie, then." Cool. Yeah. So she's like, "All right, I'll do a home front with Jason Statham." Yeah, I'm. I'm unsure, or maybe it was somebody else. But okay, that makes sense though. Yeah, I. The people in Twilight, they're all like so filtered to shit that like it's it's sometimes hard to recognize them in other movies. You know who I was surprised to see not in the movie, but in the role he was playing is Pruitt Taylor Vince. Who's that? He's the bigger guy. Nate, do you know Pruitt Taylor Vince? The name sounds familiar, but. I'm not seeing a picture of the actor in my head. So I don't know how to describe him in this movie. He's the one who kind of, I think, tips off Winona 
that like there's more to stay than than she knows. And so I think that's what she tips off Gator. And that's when he goes and gets the files. But he is normally he's the guy you have seen on the things. He's a very heavy set dude. And he has the crazy eyes that like yes. twitch back and forth. And he's always, I think because of that, or maybe because of the size, or he's not like movie star handsome or whatever, he's always like cast as like the creep or the villain or whatever. Like there's a movie called The Devil's Candy, which is great. And it's a really sort of metal as hell horror movie. And he's just like this child molester kid. Like he's the villain of that just because like he doesn't look like Jason Statham. You know what I mean? Like it's just unfortunate there. Mm -hmm. Here, he's just like an actor. He's just like a character actor. I'm like, that's cool. Because he's so often cast as guy you can't like and here just like oh he's just a dude so like yes. shout out to Prue Taylor Vince for like being like a normal dude every once in a while yes while we're shouting out actors with three names can we give it up for Omar Benson Miller yes aka yes, Tito yes. now did you have you covered ballers on your show yes so what we did on the Rocky Mind the Picture Show we uh, dedicated an episode to the pilot of Ballers, and then we kind of talked about the series as a whole. Okay, okay. Uh, but we didn't go episode by episode, but we just kind of gave folks an overview of the series Ballers on HBO, featuring Dwayne the Rock Johnson, uh, <laughs> and talked about running? how it did just end or something. No, it's over. It's over. I yeah, think. yeah. Uh, but we talked about how great it was, and Denzel and John uh, David Washington, yeah. who was fantastic on that show. Uh, but yeah, Tito Benson Miller, like I. What, He's kind of a guy that I always recognize, but then I'm always have I always have to Google him or Wikipedia him. <laughs> Is he best of- known for Ballers? Because I, I the same thing. I was like, I know this guy because mm-hmm. I saw like the first season or two of Ballers. So I'm like, I know him from something, and I don't know where I know him from. He's also in Eight Mile. Yes, he's in Sorcerer's Apprentice with Nicolas Cage. But I'm like, I think I know him from Ballers. I think, but like, is that what he's best known for? Do yeah, you? I would know? say Ballers is probably his most well known role, unless you're a fan of Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja oh. Turtle, where he voices <laughs> Raphael. Oh, yeah, I know him from, oh, man, I feel like I know him from, a. was he in Remember the Titans by any chance? Kate Bosworth was in Remember the Titans. He was not. Yes. What, who does she, she plays the blonde, like, girlfriend she that's racist? She plays the girlfriend, yeah. Yes, yes, so. yes, she's, the, oh, oh, wow. You so know, the meth yes, head is need, the racist girlfriend? Let, yes, let's get yes. on this Remember the Titans tangent, because she's the one who, she is uh, Gary Bertier's girlfriend, I think. Yes, yep, yep, yep. And when Gary decides to you know, fully commit to the team and, and get along with his black teammates. She is like, you know, we're just in two different worlds, Gary. Yeah. And then at the end of the movie, spoiler alert for Remember the Titans, after Gary Bertier gets in a car accident, she goes up to Julius, who is uh, Bertier's best friend on the team now, uh, a black player, and she's like, I'm still not there yet, Julius. Yeah. But I'm, yeah. I'm trying. And, 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 like, it's a sweet moment in the movie, but I always like, yes. Why, why are you saying this to Julius? Like, why is Julius <laughs> being unburdened? Like, why are you unburdening all of your white guilt on this poor <laughs> linebacker? I just want to point out we talked about this show, this movie on Boyfriend Material when we did the Ryan Gosling podcast. Mm. And just if you want to see the worst defensive back play in any movie ever, yes. just watch Ryan Gosling and remember the Titans. Gets burnt the entire movie. Just that terrible. cast was amazing. Donald Faison. Yeah. <laughs> My buddy just told me that he lives uh, in Alexandria, Virginia, near the school, mm. and they just renamed it because it was called it was called it was named after somebody racist. So they like went to change the name, and they were gonna call, <laughs> they wanted to call it Coach Boone's or like Boone whatever mm-hmm. school, and they said no. They just named it like Alexandria Valley oh, High School. I they should have named it after Petey, right? Or someone like at least give or a sunshine. Nod. <laughs> Yeah. Oh. Sunshine Academy sounds like it. That's Sunshine nice Academy sounds like the best school ever. It does. Yeah, that is fun. Sunshine. 
So we have, I think the only other really person, the person we have not really talked about a lot, I mentioned him earlier, was Frank Grillo shows up, and he's mm-hmm. the one who comes to Winona at the end. Joe, do you know him? He's like, he's today's, he's kind of today's Statham before Statham broke. Like, mm. he's just the action guy. He's in every B-movie. Oh. He's a- along with, like, Eco Oasis and, like, all those who guys. He, like, he is. He's the biker guy who comes in to, like, fuck shit up at the end. The one that yeah. eats the, the crawfish? Yes. Yep. Okay. Yeah. He looked. He he also looked familiar, but like I couldn't place him. So like he's in. You've probably seen either movies or movie posters mm-hmm. in like six. Like he's been in sixty movies. He's been acting. Oh god. He's also that's a ton. He's probably best known for the MCU stuff. Like yeah, I was plays, gonna say uh, Rumlow. Yeah. If if you remember Winter Soldier, he's like the main antagonist in that amazing oh, elevator fight scene. Yep. Okay. Okay. But he's also in like Zero Dark Thirty and End of Watch and the Purge movies and Goth- ah, Gangster Purge Squad, Gangster Squad. Yep. He was in Boss Level, that Groundhog Day action movie that came out last year. He was in Wheelman. He was in a Cage movie, Jiu-Jitsu. Like he's in everything. He's just like the sort of schlocky action movie or, mm. you know, elevated action movie. He's kind of one of the go-to guys now. So It's pretty cool. Good for him. But he always kind of plays the same guy, sort of like Statham. He always kind of plays the same guy. So when he shows up, you're like, okay, now I know where, where, what turn this movie <laughs> is taking. Yeah. And things are about to get real. That's pretty cool. I forgot yeah. Gangster Squad. Yeah, it's not as bad as I remembered it. I remember really wanting to like that movie and leaving yep. the theater really disappointed. Yep, that's that's how I walked out. And then we watched it again for Gosling. And we're like, oh, okay, it's actually not that bad. So I think maybe it was a, a lower standard or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Rachel, had been, Rachel and I had been coming off a of bender, so we saw it in the theater when it was like we were at a at a oh I remember that low yeah, yeah place, and then we were like that was a pretty decent movie because it was anything <laughs> was better than what was happening around us. Mm. I want to talk about the end of this movie because this movie is relatively short; it's like a hundred minutes, including credits, which is very nice. Yeah. but it it feels like in the last twenty minutes, so much happens. Like yes. if you stretch this like forty five. I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense, because there's, like, a lot going on. But, like, Statham's doing chemistry and injecting light bulbs. There's, like, the pursuit of the house. There's the kidnapping. Winona's doing her thing. They're chasing down Winona. There's the car chase onto the bridge. Very too fast, too furious. Yep. Like, all this revenge. And I'm just like, how is there th-? Like, I pause. I'm like, there's 12 minutes left? I'm like, yeah. we're nowhere near the end. Like, just, we can tell. And, like, there's just so much that happens. And it's kind of cool. It's kind of breathless. But what do you guys think at the end here? First of all, there is way too much crime going on at one time for this small Louisiana police force <laughs> to handle. Like, Clancy Brown is stretched thin. It's it's a lot going down. I really like, you know, and I'm jumping ahead to, to the end, but like the bridge scene, uh, again, going back to uh, Maddie. Like, I love that Maddie's the one that gets Statham to come back down because, you know, we got Franco and he's, you know, walking up to shoot Statham and He's threatening the kid at the same time, and then Statham gets the upper hand, and he starts pummeling him not only physically but verbally, bringing up uh, previous lines of dialogue from the movie. I, I can, can you smell the wood burning now? <laughs> uh, are you connecting the dots now, Gator? Remember our conversation from earlier? Uh, and she's the one that gets him to come back off of that ledge. Because if she's not there, he, he definitely shoots Gator. Like it's it's a wrap. Yeah. Uh, but the fact that she's there, like I love that she was the one that was able to kind of bring him back because she's the one he was doing all this for in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. I think the pacing was a little fast, but it also fit well with. Was like, it also furious? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but it also fit well with like. But the, was it too fast and too furious? 
the B movie action schlock theme of the movie. Like, I like that mm. it was like, okay, shit. Like, somebody looked at their watch and they were like, we got 20 minutes of film left. So, like, what, how can we get all this shit? They're like, okay, montages. We need to cut shit. Like, it's just, this movie's going to move starting now. I liked watching Jason Statham fight six guys. It felt easier to track for my brain as opposed to him fighting like 125 guys like usual so like him fighting just like we see the six guys they're like okay they like they line up outside for you they're like we're the six guys we're gonna go try to kill him and he's like absolutely not gonna let that happen and so he just like picks them off like one by one by one and you're like okay cool that very comforting i i like the end of the movie i thought it wrapped up well i was i was surprised that they didn't like make statham like kiss the counselor at the end or something like he like grabs the counselor with one arm and his daughter with the other and like walks off into the sunset but um it was it was cool there is one moment where he gets kidnapped and he has to break out okay and he's go ahead his ass kicked and they say to go him, ahead you even smell like a fucking cop and i'm like does he moan like a cop that's exactly what that i have line. in my notes yep yeah, Nate. If you remember in the first Fast yep. and Furious movie, there's that scene where like Vince is like he moans like a cop, where they're mm-hmm. like they 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 find him, you know, Brian sneaking around, and we're like, moan? Does it move? What is he saying? I'm like, we spent like 15 minutes, like, what is that word? I'm <laughs> Slowing like, it, it down. It says in the script, it says moan. I don't know, but yeah, now he even he moans like a cop. It's like okay, you even smell like a fucking cop. I was like, okay, mm. but does he moan like a cop? Exactly. That's for the uh, school psychologist to find out later. <laughs> In Homefront 2. Amen. And Homefront... Is there is there tasteful sex scenes in Homefront 3, or are you keeping it above the belts? I'm trying to think of Sly Stallone. Like, did he have, like, any love scenes? I know, like... I don't know either. The, yeah. the, the Adrian scenes in the first Rocky are very the Adrian sweet. in the first Rocky, he had, he had a less sweet scene in Demolition Man with Sandy Bullock. <laughs> So somewhere in between is where the Statham scene would probably okay. land. Fair. Fair enough. Okay. I have no more notes for this movie. Do either of you have anything more to say about Homefront, or do you want to watch the trailer? I have one more thing. I was, Go for it. I was absolutely not ready for a pitchforking in this movie. Sure. Interesting okay. use of kill. I really enjoyed it. Pitchfork was not something I've ever seen, like, like the impaling with a pitchfork. I was like, oh, good move. Mm-hmm. That was really cool. My last note is... We we you know we talked a lot in this movie about Jason Statham, of course, guys. He is the main character of the movie. Yeah, but I would argue that there is a hero in this small town who we haven't given enough credit to. Okay, and that is the gentleman that runs the gas station. Okay, because there's a scene in the movie where where the dudes are sent to go beat up uh, Jason Statham at the gas station, and you know we got all American Jason Statham with the flannel and the and the jeans and the the ball cap filling up his truck and they're like, Hey, Hey neighbor, I think, I think you're done. I'm not done yet, mate. (laughs) (laughs) What do y'all blokes want? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And we get like the, the shop owner, the the gas station owner comes out, uh, everything. All right, guys. And he gets the mean looks from the rest of the guys. And he's like, okay. And then when Statham is like, whatever you're thinking, rethink it. Yeah. And they don't, obviously. And the fisticuffs begin. My man is like, okay. And instead of doing anything, he just turns his back and walks back in the shop. He's like, I'm done for the day. I'm like, I'm not taking any more customers. He just walks away, which is, I think, Joey, what I would have done in that scene. Like, I'm not trying to be a hero. I'm not helping. I'm, I might call the sheriff, and that's about it. But I'm walking back in the shop and locking the door. 
you're playing it smart, and I respect that, and I appreciate that, and I value that because you know you're not gonna like you're not gonna win. There's no there's no winning in that fight, no. right? No. It's just things are gonna go bad. Let them do their thing. Just you know, go get a ho ho or something. Just go inside, <laughs> take a snack off the shelf, watch the fight. I wasn't even supposed to be working today. This is supposed to be my day off. <laughs> I know, and they called you in. Ugh. <laughs> All right, let's watch the trailer. This is Homefront official trailer number one, 2013. James Franco, Jason Say the Movie HD in the title, James Franco Gets Top Billing. Posted by Movie Clips trailers, not Movie Clips classic trailers, because this was posted eight years ago when the movie was coming out. So it's not a classic. So it was not a classic trailer at the time. It's a real-time trailer. 11 million <laughs> views. Ready when Let me know when you guys both have it ready. I'm ready whenever you are, brother. All right. I am waiting on the internet. Ready. All right, three, two, one, play. Rated R, strong violence, pervasive language, drug content, and brief sexuality. Dad? Yeah? How'd we move out? On the bayou. Here we go. There is a remarkable amount of state them on horses in this movie. (laughs) Yes, as was uh, Kingdom Siege, Siege Return of the King or whatever. Give it back. You want it? Come get it. Oh. What you gonna do about it? There's no way anybody in the South would have let, like, would have held this girl responsible for beating up this boy, right? Yeah. I also feel like there's no way the boy doesn't know that the girl can kick his ass, right? Unless, like, he's, like, flirting with her, but that doesn't seem what he's doing, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Gator. Oh. Your door's open. <laughs> Your door's I d- open. I did love that. I love that. <laughs> I love that line so much. Neighbor calling. <laughs> because because Franco is trying to do a Creole accent. Yes, Franco is trying. It's so awesome. Yep, here's the gas station. Also, the Statham, Statham ass kickings in this are really awesome. Like, the choreography yes. of them are great. Yeah, I think I think what the trailer does a disservice to the movie for, and I think this is what we were talking about before, Nate, is that like it makes the reveal that Statham is a killer come mm-hmm. too early in the trailer. Yes, and so I think you think disproportionately that most of the movie is him, like, yes, you know, that yeah, that, that was my, like, skills. I would say seeing the trailer and remembering the trailer and then going and watching it, I thought there was going to be a lot more hand to hand fisticuffs. And there's really not that much. Yeah, it's a couple. No. It's a couple bits. And I think part of that's probably like, let's make a twenty million dollar movie, like a budget that does not really exist anymore. It's mm. like either you know five million or like a hundred million. Yep. So this is kind of like that mid level movie that does not exist anymore. And so, why not on a boat? Is pretty cool. <laughs> there is some good cinematography in this movie. Home front. This like bad cop, then somehow being kind of a good cop, but also being a bad cop was very confusing to me. <laughs> Clancy Brown. Yeah, like he's like okay, like he like turns his eye to Gator, lets him deal meth all in the town, but then like at the end he like also tries to help Statham. Like, whose side are you on here? Well, bud? like, see, I think with Clancy, like Clancy Brown, I understood Clancy Brown here. Okay, uh, aka like that's my Lex Luthor first and foremost. So. I love anything that that man does. But I think Clancy Brown, Sheriff Brown here, he was turning a blind eye to Gator because he knew that was the path of least resistance to keep peace in the town. And the only thing that disrupted that was Jason Statham being there. 
But then when we get to the end, he's like, who's the worst evil here? Or who's the biggest disruptor okay. to my town? And it's Gator. And so then he's like, let's help, let's help Statham. He just wants peace. So just punish the loudest one at the time, pretty much? Exactly. Okay, that, that works well, for even, me. I mean, we saw that a little bit in the beginning when uh, when Cassie and Jimmy were trying to get him arrested or whatever. And he's like, yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to, you know, press any charges, but did you have to throw him down so hard? Yeah, yeah. Like, he gets it. Yeah, so he, he is probably just like a peacekeeper. He is. He, that's really what I he's trying like- to do. I feel like we also see by the end of the movie, he has grown to just be tired of Franco. He's just like, I'm yes. I, like, cause when Franco's like, Hey man, just got a, made a big sale. I'm here to celebrate. And he just like dumps the whiskey out as soon as he turns around. Like, I think he's just like, I'm, I, I it worked at one point. We're yes. good. We're, we're done here. man. Like, I gave doing? you, I gave you this leeway to do what you want to do as long as we keep the peace. But now you're yep. abusing your privilege. I also really like that scene because it felt like Franco walked up like and looked at his watch and was like, 7.15, that's an interesting time to be next to you, not anybody when they get murdered. It wasn't me. <laughs> I'm going to go play pool now where there will be 25 people seeing me. I have an alibi. And then like walks away. Yes. The letterboxed game. So for reference sake and big news, if you listen to Zack Attack, you already know that Mad Max Fury Road, one of the most popular films on Letterboxd, has finally crested that mountain more than 1 million people, 1 million and 6,000, have seen Mad Max Fury Road. Now, Homefront, 2013, directed by Gary Fleeter, or Fletter, also director of Kiss the Girls and Runaway Jury and Don't Say a Word, so 90s thrillers. Starring Statham Franco, Isabella Vidovich, Winona Ryder, and Rachel Lefebvre, has been seen by how many people? This is tough. On Letterboxd. Dot com. Mm. It was just on Netflix, so don't forget that. So that's... It was just on Netflix. True. It's no longer Netflix. You have to pay to rent this. I got this from the library because you could. DVDs are free there. Yeah. <laughs> How big is the Statham section at the library, if you don't mind me asking? You know, I did not browse. The, the library's got you know a touchless online reserve pickup whole mm. thing going on. I would... My library, I got a bunch of video games. I would, I would not be surprised if they got a dozen or more Statham movies. I think they, they probably represent the man pretty well. Actually, mm. I'll look it up while you guys are thinking. I okay, I'm thinking, but Statham B action movie 2013, so it's kind of new, but it was and it was mm. just on Netflix. I gotta go. My first guess around eighty five thousand. That's my first Ooh, guess. Eighty five thousand. My library has thirty four entries for Jason Statham. Jeez. Oh wow. <laughs> is that just movies or like his referenced in books like action movie stars they've got safe mechanic resurrection parker homefront oh, 13 parker. expendables Damn. binge boxed organized crime wave hobbs and shaw killer elite redemption wrath of man fate of the furious wild card expendables 3 transporter 2 crank 2 nomeo and juliet blitz furious 7 bank job lock stock crank mechanic revolver they got a ton, War, dude. Death they Race, ton. The Meg, oh, wow. Snatch, Ghost of Mars, In the Name of the King, Transporter 3, Expendables 2, Transporter, Binge Box. Is it is it possible we're underrating Statham? Maybe. Like, I, I love Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Like, I have a podcast dedicated to him. But Statham's not at that level. But I feel like Statham's at a level more than the general public gives him credit for. I agree. You know, I think I think our listener Wes Hampton, I think he's seen all of the Statham movies, and I think Justin, uh, listen, Justin Kleiman's seen most of the Statham yep. movies too. So, you know, I feel like if you like the Fast and Furious movies, you respect the man, you like the man, mm-hmm. and I think that was the best casting the, the series ever did was bringing him in as Han's killer, quote unquote killer, because it's just like, oh yeah, he fits perfectly. Why hasn't he already been in these movies? Yep. Yes, 
the fact that he did Fast and the Furious and The Expendables, that's like working for DC and Marvel. Yeah, man. All right, so Joe, you said 85,000, right? Yeah, that's my first guess. Nate, what do you want to guess? How many people have seen Homefront? Here's the thing. like, I feel like, and, and I don't know how you feel about this, Joey, but I feel like the promotion of the movie downplayed the Sylvester Stallone of it all, and I don't yeah. know if that would have helped or hindered the box office or the, the mm. eyeballs that eventually watched this film. I'm going to go a little bit higher, though, and I'm going to go, let's go 99. Let's go 99. 85 and 99. Gentlemen, I hate to say it, you are both too high. Got to go lower. Oh, Second wow. guess. Round two. 60,000 60, was my original guess, and I pumped it up. I think 60. See, this is what Joe does. This is what Joe does. He's like, that first guess, that wasn't my first guess. Yes. yes. No, I no, no. I mean, just like time. in my head, and then I try to do the adjustments, and sometimes I get closer, and sometimes I get further away. I understand. I'm just saying... You, you spin it in a way that you always get two real yes. first guesses almost sorry, every time. Sorry. He, he's like a high jumper at the Olympics. Like, I, like don't, don't count my first attempt. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 60,000. Nate, where are you going? You going between 60 and 85? You going lower than 60? <sighs> I, see, I want to go lower. And, and if it does end up being lower, Do, that's, my, that's, that's, that's like the actual guess, guess I'm going to go Yeah, with. that's your first, real first guess. That's my first guess is if it's lower than Joey. <laughs> but uh, lower than Joe. Uh, but I'm going to say you said 60, Joe. Yes, that's what I said. You know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going I'm to do it. Let's go 50. Gentlemen, once again, too high. Wow. One more round, round three, final round. Joe, what was your actual, before you pumped it my up actual, and you pumped it up again, what was your actual first guess? guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was was thirty eight? Okay. And <laughs> Nate, what was your first confident. guess? Before you heard Joe, you know, yes. spouting his wisdom and quote yes. unquote wisdom, and you know, mudding your ears with different numbers. What was your first guess? Where'd you My go the actual first, first guess that I that I you know have yeah. always stuck by uh, is uh, 20, 20, 24, 24, That's right. So I'm now. Joe is closer. If we're doing prices right, Nate wins because he didn't go over. But the answer, 33808. 33808. So not very many people have seen Homefront. They're missing out. Yeah. Average rating, 2.8. Most common, a 3, then a 2.5, then a 2. How many out of those 33 and change have this in their top four favorite films of all time? Mm. Two. And I think that's too high. Hmm. Obviously, Sylvester Stallone. Uh, <laughs> he does it on, on his two Chuck letterbox Zito. burners. He, <laughs> his two burner letterbox accounts where he just rates all Sylvester Stallone movies five stars. Yes. I'll say, you know what? Let's let's be generous. I'll say mm, three. I was going to go five. You know what? Let's just go three. I got to say, you're both too low. You got to go higher than three. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> This is a weird rate. Like thirty-eight thousand people have seen it, but there's more than three. Okay, um, <laughs> six. That's too high. That's too high. Uh, I'll, well, you, I'll go. You, with, were, you were making the F sound. You were saying I think you're between four and five. You went with three. Yes. What I'll your, go with my original guessing? answer, which would, was five. Joe is right at six. Okay. Wow. <laughs> We're going to Edon E D O N underscore at Edon underscore on Letterboxd. I looked at all six of them. Surprisingly, like you can, we could kind of play any of them. I feel like the people who like Homefront just like movies that people have heard of. Yeah. But we're going to go to Edon. 
His number one favorite movie, according to his letterbox, is Homefront. Okay. But he's wow. got three other movies, all from the 2000s, one from 07, mm-hmm. one from 11, and one from 17, so all in the last, like, 15 years or so. Two action. What, what genres would this be? This would be... Why does Adventure. one of them feel like the mummy to me? <laughs> That's too old. You're too old. Sorry. Okay. It just feels like if you like this movie, like that would just fall in line. I for can some... see that. Yeah. I can see that. I will say one of these three movies we have covered this covered for this podcast. Another mm-hmm. one of these we probably will wind up covering one day. And the other one I don't know that we ever would, but I do like the other one. I love all three of these movies. Is it Mad Max Fury Road? No. Okay. But mm. it is a car movie. Because I mean you know, that, that kind of narrows down half of what we've covered. But it is a car movie. Is this the one that I never get? Is it like um, uh, Back to the Future? Not too nope. old. No, they're, too, all, they're, too, all, yeah. they're all too new. And I will say that this one, the one you're trying to guess now, more than a million people have seen it. One of the most popular films on Letterboxd as well. Drive. No. But is it a you're, fast you're, movie? It's not a fast movie. Mm. I mean, it's fast. There's not. It's not a Fast and Furious movie, though. Nobody's furious. I will say, was he slow? No. <laughs> was he was he was he slow was 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 he slow no i don't know what that means is that a hint from the movie is that like in yeah. the movie yeah uh, is it baby driver baby driver that yes cool. yeah i like baby driver i did too that was a good movie baby driver's great and starring two canceled <laughs> yes, so, you know it's <laughs> also true. tough 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 um the third one, the, one of these is animated. The lead voice is maybe kind of a canceled dude or something. I will also say, mm-hmm. this is a hint more for Joe than Nate. I apologize to you, Nate. But the lead voice in this, I just watched the first movie he was ever in. You just watched the first movie. So it's probably Halloween or Friday the 13th. It's in that vein. Hmm. That's the clue there, Nate. Who is a huge movie star mm-hmm. who voiced a lead character in an animated film in the last decade or so that got his start in a pretty mm. big role in a sort of a 80s slasher horror film. Mm, I don't know. And now also kind of canceled. <laughs> it's an animated movie. Is uh-huh. the animated movie about cars? No, the, the the genres, comedy, adventure, animation, Western, Ooh. family. Western. Western. Is it like, no, because it would have been different if it was Toy Story. I was thinking they were like adding Woody in there. Not it's Pixar. Like, yeah, Western. I will say the director of this movie also directed three films in a franchise that the lead actor in this is best known for. Mm. And... This director also directed an, uh, another movie in the last decade or so that stars a different canceled man and as well as the canceled man from this. What? <laughs> I know I'm just making things more complicated now. Yeah. I will explain everything when we're there. Yes, because that's, that's the problem is there's too many people canceled. I'm like, which one is it? Animated family western from the last decade or so starring a guy who got his start in an 80s slasher film mm-hmm. and is now canceled. I don't know what an I don't know any animated westerns. Yeah, I think this is like I think it's one of one. You either know this movie or you don't. Yeah. I can't think of it. What is it? Rango. No, I wouldn't have got that. Yeah. Or Johnny Depp. Oh, the Johnny Depp Lizard. Yes. Uh, yes. So it's directed by Gore Verbinski, who did the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. He also mm. did the Lone Ranger, but I thought John, starring Johnny, Johnny Depp and Army Hammer. So right. Oh, 
But I thought Johnny Depp just got beat up by his girlfriend. But then the story went no, back and that, forth. No, they're both. He and Amber Heard are both. Yeah. Like, seemingly that that whole thing was a trial mess. is messy. Yeah. Both sides. Yeah. Okay. All right. So number two, this. Oh, actually, it's only been seen by five hundred thousand people. I would I would not have been surprised if this was another million. I think it's just a little bit too old for that, possibly. Okay. Mm. But this is in an unofficial trilogy. It is the middle installment. It's a beloved film. Mm-hmm. One that we have not covered in the show, but could for sure cover one day from the last 15 years. Unofficial trilogy. Yep. It, it's it's referred to as a trilogy, and mm-hmm. it stars the same actors. Is it like is but, it that is it the movie like Glass and, um, nope. you know, these three? Well, un, Unbreakable. Unbreakable and Glass and yeah. Split. Split. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I guess, similar to that, but that, the, those movies are intertwined. These movies... I don't know if they exist in the same universe or not. Mm-hmm. Same actors, same director, referred uh, to as a trilogy, not connected. Like the Christopher Guest movies where it's always the same group of people? Mm, sort of, but not that. But mm. you're you're not, not in the ballpark. They refer to it as a trilogy, though. <laughs> this is also... Is it Star mm, Wars? Nope, that's very definitively a trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No doubt about that. This is Alvin also directed Chipmunks by a three, guy. The Squeakle. No, with starring David Cross. No, the this also is directed by a guy who directed another one of these top four films. So he either did Rango or he did <laughs> the other one, Baby Driver. Ooh, who did Baby Driver? You have all the clues, Mister Police, and that's also a clue for this too. <laughs> it's not the Snowman, but oh, wow. is it? You horror? ain't seen Bad Boys too. <laughs> that's a clue from the movie. Is it mm-hmm. Bad Boys too? No. Yeah, in Bad Boys 2, one character says to the other one, Martin you Lawrence looks at the, the movie that we're acting says, in You ain't seen Bad Boys 2? That'd be very meta. That'd be pretty cool. So what somebody references do? Bad Boys 2 in the movie. Yeah. Is it Jumanji? No, no. they're different people. Ooh. Also definitively a series. Yeah, true. I have no idea. What is it? Yeah. You gotta get it. I'm stumped. You gotta give me a, a softer clue then. So, the, so oh is, it, is this is this how you feel uh, when you come on and do the music trivia on uh, the Rocky Mavia Picture Show? I guess so. I mean, but like you, you guys are both like mo- you know movies. I don't really know music, but maybe. <laughs> so okay, oh, oh what, what 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 was the genre of of the of this movie? Movies. The genres of this movie, yeah, action, crime, mm-hmm. comedy. Okay, eighty one hundred people have it in their top four. Wow! Ooh, so so it's a good movie, allegedly. Tagline, big cops, small town, moderate violence. Oh, oh, is that Super Troopers? No. I would guess Super Troopers too. As a former London constable, Nicholas Angel finds it difficult to adapt to his new assignment in the sleepy British village of Sanford. Not only does he miss the excitement of the big city, but he also has a well-meaning oaf for a partner. Shaun of the Dead? Close, very close. What's the cop movie? Oh, fuck. Hot Fuzz? Hot fuzz. Yes, oh, we, we got go. there. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. After I, I basically you. gave you all the clues except for the name of the movie. I would have never got hot fuzz unless we got to exactly the point where I remembered what the name of it was. Yes. That, that's, I would have never got there, but nah, yes. It's part of the Cornetto trilogy, yep, which is Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, World's mm-hmm. End, yep, which yes. they always get from the store, yep. a little ice cream. Yeah, people love that movie. I love that movie. It's a cop movie. We could probably cover it on some, at some point here. Buddy Cop, Lap, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. But that's a good idea for a lap. 
Shout out to Jake Freer for picking this for us. And shout out to Nate Milton for joining us. Thank and I thank Nate. you so much for stopping by, Nate. Oh, th- thank you for having me, neighbors. I noticed the door was open. Figured I'd come on in. <laughs> Neighbor we, calling. We could connect some dots together. And <laughs> I like that you slid of- into the accent. That was that was very appropriate. It just, it, like, you got it at the tail end. That's as much I, as Frank I smelled a lot of wood burning when we were trying to think of that movie. <laughs> So, Nate, we were on your most recent episode of the Rocky Might View Picture Show. Is that podcast back officially? Was that a one-off episode? What's going on with your podcast, and what would you like to plug if not that? I mean, much like the Cornetto trilogy, it, it is and it isn't at the same time. Perfect. Cool, uh, cool. The, the cool. Rocky Might View Picture Show is back for uh, a special engagement uh, in, in the month of January uh, for those that uh, are following post-wrestling, or even if you haven't, and you just uh, know about it through the Joes. Uh, the Rocky Mavia Picture Show, which is a podcast I do chronicling the filmography of uh, America's greatest thespian, uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, we came back to do The Fate of the Furious. And mm-hmm. uh, it was me, the Joes, and Benno uh, from post-wrestling as well. And uh, it's going back on hiatus, but it, it'll probably be something that pops up, you know, two or three more times this year uh, while I focus on my other show on the network. But yes, it's always good talking about the family uh, with you guys. And I think a lot of people were surprised and uh, delighted to see the return of the Rocky Mavia picture show. With, I was uh, the fast and furious. <laughs> it's very exciting. Now, Nate, we've got a very important question. You brought up family. What do you think of Mr. Jason Momoa in F10? I mean, it, it was bound to happen. Like I, I, I think, Jason Momoa, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and Roman Reigns, who we've already introduced into the Fast and Furious universe, mm-hmm. like they 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 will probably have some sort of spinoff after all of this is said and done. Yeah, like the 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 Hobbs the Hobbs family. Like we're just gonna drop Shaw off. Uh, we'll we'll get two separate spinoffs. We'll get a Hobbs family spinoff and a Shaw family spinoff. Now, do you think, is Momoa going to play a Hobbs? Is he going to play for someone from Samoa, or is is that just sort of semi-racist thinking? I, I mean, well, here's the thing. Here's the thing about racism, Joey. Is it more racist to assume that Momoa's playing somebody from Samoa, or is it more racist to cast somebody from, create a character from Samoa and not cast Momoa? Yeah. It's Samoan Momoan. It's a it's a catch twenty two here, Joey. But I do think he'll be tied into uh, Hobbs because the more we've seen of Hobbs, the more they've leaned into his Samoan heritage. And I think like like yeah, like Jason Momoa is great. Like we we love the man in Aquaman, and I feel like he fits in this world of the Fast and the Furious. But this is ten, and The Rock and Vin are fighting. Yeah, I think we've talked about it on your show, Nate. Do you think, is he coming back? Is DJ coming back for these movies? I think he's coming back for 10 because I feel like 10, if it's not the end, it's the end of whatever this is right now, if sure. that makes any sense. Like, it's, yeah. it's Endgame. Like, the MCU kept going, but Endgame was the end of a specific era in the MCU. Uh, so I think he'll be back for 10 because he's a professional, Joe. Like the rock, the rock is professional. He can put aside his pettiness and he can, and his beefs and his feuds to come in and do business the right way. But then after that, he might not be back, and we'll just be on the Hobbs <laughs> side projects from here on out. Yeah.
with his own crew featuring Roman Reigns, Jason Momoa, and just, Kevin Hart for just, some reason. Yes, 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 yes. So now, Nate, you mentioned the other show that you're doing. What would you like to plug? Where can people follow you or find you on the yes. internet? Uh, well, there's a there's a myriad, a multitude of places people can find me on the internet. Uh, some of them are PG. Uh, the others you have to pay for. Uh, I don't know why I said it like that, because even on the sites you have to pay for, I'm still pretty <laughs> PG. Like, I might say some words here or there that are not meant for children, not meant for young young boys and girls like Maddie. But, not uh, very neighborly. Not, not very, neighborly. very neighborly at all. Uh, you know, we might tell you how to cook up some meth, uh, but you know that's why it's on. Pa- that's why it's on Patreon. If you want to hear those stories, you have to pay for them. But I do have a Patreon, the Kings of Sport Patreon, uh, Patreon.com backslash the Kings of Sport. So while you're subscribing to the Too Fast Too Forever Patreon, you can give us Thank a look. You. Yep. Uh, you know, gotta gotta lift up my family. But the Kings of Sport is my main podcast. I've been doing that since 2013. So maybe Homefront inspired us. True uh, to to launch a podcast, and we're two episodes away from episode three hundred of wow. the Kings of Sports. So probably March, April, spring, spring twenty twenty two. I'll do it cool. like a movie trailer. Spring twenty twenty two, the three uh, hundredth episode is going to drop, uh, so you can check that out. I'm also on post wrestling, as I mentioned earlier, with the Rocky Mountain Via Picture Show and the NWA podcast, which is the main podcast I do on post now. Uh, the Nubian Wrestling Advocates. It's a show about wrestling and the industry presented by black journalists, black media members, and black fans. Uh, so you can check that out. We do that once a month. I'm also on the DCTV Podcast Network talking about Naomi, which is a superhero show over on the CW. So you can check me out there. I've got like I've got way too many shows for the amount of actual non-working hours I have in my life, but you know, some somebody's got to do it. I'm like Clancy Brown here. Somebody's <laughs> Got to keep the peace on these podcast streets, so uh, why not me? Uh, and if you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, follow me at in the number eight m o z a i k at Nate Mosaic on Twitter. And again, guys, like it's always good to uh, make time to talk to you fellas. And uh, I'm sure uh, this won't be the last time that uh, that our paths cross this oh, year. Definitely not, brother. For sure not. not. I love talking to you, man. You know that. Now, Joe, I don't know if you're going to believe this or not, but our next episode, get ready. Starring the man of the hour tonight, not Nate, the other man of the hour, Furious 7, starring Jason Statham next week. Can you believe it? I'm excited. And we will be joined by late night slumber party Rodriguez himself, Brian Rodriguez. But also, between now and then, if you are a patron, we're going to have a Super Bowl special episode release. We are talking about, we talked about Remember the Titans in this episode. We're talking about a different high school football movie. We're talking about Friday Night Lights exclusively on the Mm. Patreon with Lucas Black maybe as the quarterback. I don't remember. We'll find out (laughs) soon enough. The 40-year-old quarterback? Yep. Yeah. He's the ringer. Friday Night Lights on Sunday, or I don't know when this comes out. Sometime. Not this Sunday. Next Sunday. The 13th. Super Bowl Sunday. Not Pro Bowl Sunday. And then Furious 7 coming after that. Both of those with Brian because we can't get rid of that guy. But for all things... Too Fast Too Forever. You go to cageclub.me, facebook.com, slash Too Fast Too Forever, or at Too Fast Too Forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, family, at cageclub.me. Check out our Patreon page at Too Fast Too Forever.com and our store, Too Fast Too Forever.shop. Come back next week for Furious 7 and in between now and then for Super Bowl Sunday release of Friday Night Lights. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Too. And that was Mr. Nate Milton, Nate Mosaic of far too many podcasts, and we'll tell you all about it. See you.